Uh, let's do a show. Uh, I think I feel like we should. I feel like the Tin Man, right? Getting all lubed up and ready to dance. Well, looks like somebody hasn't gotten out of the house for a while. Oh my god, really <laughs> eager to talk. Uh, hey, I got you water. Yeah, you did, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. And the, we're back at the old siesta. We're back at well, yeah, we're back at the. What, this would be our. This is our uh, the third location we ever recorded in, right? Well, but this is the one we've been at the longest. I, uh, yeah, and you can tell I, we haven't done this in a while because I'm trying to still try to figure out what you want. Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I'm Brian Irwin. And I'm John Huck. I just thought you were doing the thing where you play the song too long and we all have a good laugh about it. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. The, uh, uh, we started at the Herald Examiner and then did we move straight here? I thought there was one other place and then here. But to me, Casa? Yeah. <laughs> they speak Spanish out here in out, California. Out here in Eagle Rock? <laughs> yeah, they're not as afraid of Spanish. Speaking people as they are as maybe in some other parts of the United States, but because it, it happens usually in my backyard, and I don't I don't take out my gun. I don't deal with them out there. Oh, okay? I take out my leaf. That's blower. because they're hired and they're supposed leaf to be blow. working. I, I leaf blow at them. Oh, you do? No, I took my I bought a leaf blower, um, and the biggest mistake I ever made was I bought for like the twelve seconds I thought I was going to do all the yard work around here. You know, Midwestern mentality. And uh, they were all plug-in ones because I was like, "Well, I don't want to deal with gas." A plug-in leaf blower? Yeah, because gas that means a trip to the gas station. Did your dad the... fly out here to make fun of you? <laughs> he should have. Son, what do you got there? Uh, they didn't make those in uh, adult. <laughs> it is good. They were all Fisher Price. <laughs> all that heavy-duty plastic, though, or was it the jagged metal of your youth? The toys used anyway, to be made. Anyway, I have so many tools. Uh, <laughs> Outdoor tools now that have good brag, plugs dude. for them. Good. The, the, the oh. plug in that I don't use them anymore. Yeah, you, I just didn't want to deal with the whole oil oil gas mixture. No, it gets confusing. Uh, <laughs> sure, is there sarcasm in your voice? No, but my oh, okay. point was, you know, you can get extension cords and plug those things. Yeah, yeah I understand that part of it. You're just like leaf blowing around like the outlet. But then, so <laughs> then I got I got a hedge trimmer, and then I hedge trimmed the extension cord in half. Mm. Which is why did you, you don't... Sho- did you shock yourself? No, I, I dropped it and ran. Because <laughs> you thought it was going to blow up? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what... Because <laughs> we literally... did. So when you were young, did you... Like when you helped... Think everything was going to blow up? Yes. When you helped your dad with stuff, were you just like the flashlight holder? Yes. No, yeah. my dad... Yeah, my dad was the classic. Here, hold this. Because yeah. my mom would send me out to, to, to help. And my dad did a lot of work. My dad was constantly doing something in the house. Constantly. So he was a, he was a fix-it guy. He, he fixed whatever was going on. And he was a builder. He, uh, oh, he built... Add, they, add well, it. they built their retirement home. My dad... My dad my, here's my dad. Taught himself how to play piano. Okay? Just was, like tried to figure it out. Piano was in the house. It was given to them by his grandfather. And he's like, well, it's here. Might as well learn how to do it. Just started... Just sat down one day. Wrote his first symphony at 56, That's everybody. Right. Uh, and, it's never uh, too late. And then he got tired of taking cars to the shop. So one day, I shit you not, one day he took the whole car apart, laid it out, looked at it, made mental notes, and then rebuilt the car so he understood how a car works. Can I be honest with you? Your yeah. dad sounds like a meth head. <laughs> that, is very, that is very crystal meth behavior. I took apart my vacuum cleaner, I labeled every piece with a piece of duct tape and a marker, and I'm going to put it all back together after I rake the roof and then shovel the driveway. <laughs> That's very meth head behavior, uh, but that's good for him. Well, I, mean, I got that's... something to talk to my parents about later now that they have it, Wi-Fi. An intervention. Yeah, they got yeah, Wi-Fi, Dad, so we get to do uh, FaceTime Put down now. the crystal meth pipe. Um, they have Wi-Fi, so you can They do... have Wi-Fi in the house now. They live three miles deep in the woods of Wisconsin, and they finally got Wi-Fi, so they're constantly on Facebook now. 
My mom has become my mom on Facebook, which is when I make a joke, she questions whether the, the she she answers it seriously. Right. So that immediately she's like, no, Brian, you are a good person. I'm oh, like, no, God. no, mom, self-deprecating humor here. Now I have to worry about what I say on your pages now, huh? Because, uh, I mean, yeah. just, just because if your mom is going to be on there poking around, I can't be mocking you, you, you too hard. leave my son alone. He's a good man. Right, yeah, I know. He is the president of the PTA. You stop making that a joke. <laughs> oh, you, said, you, saw, so you saw what she said. Did you, or did you not see what she wrote behind, after you? No, I didn't. See, that's what I was just thinking about my she, comment earlier. She, she jumped on your comment <laughs> and was like, something along the lines of, I'm a good person. Like, she was, like, getting on, like, yeah, John's right kind of thing. Like, yeah, you... Oh, maybe... Like, not understanding is, that yours She's not was, the one who said John Huck for mayor. No, no, no. Okay. That, was, that was sarcasm. <laughs> oh, because... He doesn't want I, you to be mayor, just so you know, that guy. Already already submitted the papers. Oh. Uh, you are, already starting to get my platform together. I don't think he's going to vote for you, that guy. I'm not in, running in his district. I'm mayor <laughs> of a different district. I know how politics works. Um... That's anyway, good. So, so yeah, I I, yeah, I always had to go out and my I think it was my mom too. Was like, you want to go help your father? And I was like, yeah. And then you get out there, it's like, hold the flashlight. I will say the most excited, like I didn't want to help do anything around the house, like most kids, right? You don't want to help in the house. You don't want to help outside the house yard work until until my dad bought a driving lawnmower. Then I wanted to be on top of that thing. I didn't care about actually what it did, its purpose. But I did want to drive around on that thing. You just shave patches into yeah. the grass. You're like, what are you doing? Dropping the blade, lifting it up. Like, I don't know. Yeah, we never got a riding mower. Always had the push mower that we basically bought from a guy who built them in the in the behind our house. Like the push mower that was that no, you, you not the, started or the yeah, the, the not the, the old gas. 1950s. Not one. the. Okay, the, so uh, I bought one of those for this house. Oh God! And dude. after the th- the third time, I like stopped. I'm like, what am I? What am I? What, what? Who, who am I impressing here? Pretending yeah, to that be. That is a good question. Who were was was Natalie looking out the window? Oh, there's my man. <laughs> was uh, where your kids like? Oh, look how strong Dad is. Or your neighbors like, what a fucking idiot. Oh, right after that, I could finish to cut the lawn. We could go to Sizzler to celebrate. <laughs> go to Sizzler, Ponderosa. I was just, I, 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 as we were talking about before we started about the fact that based on the area that, that you live in, you can kind of see certain things. Like, obviously, you go to certain areas, you still see uh, payphones, which is very, you don't, I don't see that many around here, but I always no. know when I'm in a bad area. No Starbucks, lots of payphones. That's never a good thing, right? But, Next uh, to a Little I, Caesars. I have within a, a two-mile radius of my house two Sizzlers. I didn't, I mean, that's a lot, I think, considering there's probably only 14 left in the whole world. So Eagle Rock, home of the fat person. <laughs> And Sizzler, that's a that's a cheap steak joint, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know what it is. I, I would say I don't know grizzle? if I'd be like, it's grizzle. Hey, come on in. We got some grizzle. Uh, <laughs> Fat and lard. Yeah, I'm not sure if Sizzler. I guess it is supposed to be like steak. Sure. All right. Good talk. Good talk. We want to bring in our. That's our uh, Sizzler talk. Sizzler brought to you. Brought, brought to you by, anonymous. Brought, brought to you by, by Sizzler by Ponderosa guys. Well, maybe maybe our guest could probably has a say about that because he's also a fellow Midwesterner. Yeah, oh. he's. Uh, I think he's right. Can I from, do his credits? Yeah, Brian Irwin's former roommate. Oh, <laughs> worst credit. Please tell me that's not on your resume. What do you mean? It's under special skills. Special skills dealing with <laughs> his arm hair. Yeah, we uh, our first our our first two years because uh, Tom Clark is here, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, those are your credits. Yeah. Oh, I, can I, I do his? Joke, cred- he goes, Brian. can I do his credits? And it I thought I was going to be like Brian Irwin's roommate. And then he would go on to like list exactly. accomplishments. Well, I was going to ask him. I was only out here a couple months, and then you came out, right? Because we looked right. we looked for a place together. Because I was couch surfing at <sighs> that Scott guy's house over right, Valley, right. which I remember. Tom finally arrived to town. He's like, "You've been staying here? Like, how long are you?" <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, it was like one of those sectional. It was like this couch, right? And <laughs> yeah. like, you'd sleep on that end, I'd sleep on the other. End. But he just kind of had like that, you know, like when you don't see what your life is like, and then it takes an outsider to step in to be like, "Well, how what's long, going how long, on here? Yeah, how long yeah. Have you been doing this? I'm gonna yeah. be, I'm gonna say this in a nice tone, <laughs> but you should probably pick up on my concerns. Yeah, you know, with the way I'm saying, why I'm asking you. This. You okay? You, you believe you made a right choice, right? I mean, that's what you think. <laughs> he found that sweet place on Bagley Avenue. Bagley. <laughs> Bagley. Is Bagley in the valley? No. no. Where's Bagley? It's uh, off Venice Boulevard. Oh, west, on the west side. Near Culver City. Tom and I were hip before it was hip to live over there. Because oh, have, yeah. have you been there now? Oh, it's yeah, completely nice. different. Right. They, it's all built up. I mean, there was like, what, two crappy restaurants and mm-hmm. lots of roosters in people's front yards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet, it, but, but in front of apartments, though, that right, was the right. thing. Is it like I, I remember going? You remember those roosters, right? Like, do you remember roosters being on Bagley over there? <laughs> oh, I, yeah, yeah, I do. But it was yeah. an apartment complex. Right, I'm like, right. who's? Did you guys get together and say, yeah, it's okay for the neighbor downstairs to no, have roosters? In no the front? dogs, but this roosters. lady on the first floor has roosters, and that's okay. Well, I'm glad you, you assumed assumed it was a woman that had the roosters. <laughs> oh, sorry, I don't know. Okay, I don't I think know it was either. a dog who had the roosters. I was not trying clear. to be sexist or or say that men <laughs> couldn't have roosters too. Men and women are equal. No, but West LA now is like a. It's. It, I don't think we could afford living over there now. Quite yeah, frankly. well, the so rent expensive. was going up when I left. So yeah, I got out of there. Who was our Who was our manager? Bob? Was it Bob? Bill? Oh, yeah, Bill. Bob. Was it Bill? Bill. Bill Patterson? I don't Bill. know. Bill Patterson. <laughs> we'll call him Bill P to protect his anonymity. <laughs> there was a lot of us Midwesterners in there. That's where we collected them all. Yeah. Timmel and... Uh, Nate Timmel, Rob Baxter, Lisa Alvarado. They all were living in... Uh, where is Lisa Alvarado from Chicago? Yes. Yeah. Yep. That's what I thought. Where is, where is Baxter from? Milwaukee. So uh, Baxter, uh, Nate Timmel, who's a road comic. Baxter, who... Uh, is Nate still lives, working? He still lives in Frank Caliona's basement in, in Arizona. <laughs> He's made an... Life for himself. He well, sure. And um, there's that. And then uh, uh, Lisa, Lisa Baxter, and Timo all lived upstairs, one floor what, above us. What a combination of people! Yes, <laughs> it, didn't, it never made any sense to me. Right. They didn't really even know each other. I just think that they wanted to save more money on rent, and right. she needed a place to live. And they were a couple of harmless weirdos to, to live. They with. They were harmless. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, uh, to be clear, yes, they yeah. were not. They were not creeps. No, they're just you know. Creepy, it all made sense. But yeah, creeps. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there are, believe it or not, there are some harmless creeps in the world. Mostly because they're just lazy. I think lazy d- you're just basing it on what people look like. But enough about other people around Tom's life. But you can't. <laughs> Tom, like give us the her. biography of everyone you know. <laughs> no, but I've known I've known Tom a long time now. I yeah. started comedy in nine. Well, like some people would question when I actually started it, but the, I uh, physically took a stage in I think ninety nine. Was it ninety nine? We played tap. It had to be ninety nine. Yeah, because yeah. and and you were already pretty well known in Milwaukee, both in stand up and improv. Right, you were doing comedy sports, comedy sports, and I did Dead Alewives, Dead Alewives, and. Uh, yeah, I remember hearing Brian on WLUM when it became Oh, go ahead. What, what is that? What is L, What is LUM? What is that? It's a what? Go ahead. It's I a, want him to say it. What? What? What is that? What's the medium that it's? It's a. It's it a goes ra- up. Radio station. Oh, Brian Irwin does radio and gets someone else to talk about it. Yeah. John makes fun of me because he says I talk about radio a lot. So I'm really <laughs> oh, when I was doing radio, I, when I, was I remember doing hearing Brian though on the radio, and I was listening. I remember this interview in particular was with uh, the lead singer of the Flies. Oh. <laughs> Got you where I want you. Uh, And uh, he was telling the story about, you asked him, like, oh, what's something that happened to you that would be interesting, like, was a celebrity? And he said he met Nicole Kidman, and he had to take, like, a dump 
the whole time. <laughs> so true. And he almost pooped his pants oh, yes. in front of Nicole Kidman. <laughs> I love that story because most of these most most musicians don't really know right. how to talk in interviews, and so I had previously tour managed bands, so I kind of got a general idea of like behind the scenes what goes on and what things you could talk to them about to kind of open them up because they're so used to getting the same generic questions all the time. So that's how I would kind of get in. It's like, tell me something behind the scenes that's a little bit out of whack yeah. that you probably don't normally share on the radio. And they, they, those, these guys would get excited about that. I got a little thrown that he was going to talk about shit in his pants in front of Nicole Kidman. But, <laughs> but hey, that's a great story. <laughs> well, I, I dated a girl who was in radio and speaking of like second drop. generic questions um double drop on radio by, she, by the way she interviewed somebody from social distortion or like the lead singer mike, mike ness. ness yeah and there was an interview with mike ness and he brought up how the terrible this interview was <laughs> and she saw the interview and i was like oh so it also goes the other way where someone <laughs> just gets hammered for their interview questions yeah I, yeah. I, had the, I had the tragically hip on once, same station, and I, and that the lead singer refused to just he just didn't want to play along. He didn't want to answer any questions. And again, I wasn't asking like the generic questions. I was at he just refused. And I and I remember the disgust and the other because the whole band was in there because they had played and then we talked. And afterwards, the band was so pissed off at him they 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 sent him back in to apologize to me oh, for being a douchebag. Was that the guy who? Passed away recently. Oh, did the lead singer tragically hip? Is he dead? I think so. I think he just passed away. This is just in for John because of the uh, look on no, his face. No, is... yeah, uh, the um, yeah. What's his name? He did pass away. Oh, so I'm being a dick right now. <laughs> kind of. Oh, well, it's a tribute. It's a tribute. Oh, okay. You say right, tribute okay. at the end. He ended up being nice in the end <laughs> for the for the story. R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> um, well, John's doing some Google research on this thing, so. When did you actually start doing anything comedy related, like in front of audiences? Um, I would, <clears throat> I mean, I took a class. I took a comedy class with Roz Turner and Dobie Maxwell. Dobie Maxwell, <laughs> also a former radio DJ. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, what was he on? QFM. Uh, QFM yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, I started there, and I took like six months off because I was like, oh, I'm going to recreate myself. I'm going to, you know, come up with all new material because I just crushed at my showcase, and then. <laughs> I started going up at the safe house in Milwaukee, where oh, it was like in this back room. The safe house with the Burt Reynolds Burt thing Reynolds. over the genitals yeah. in the bathroom. So you've been there. Nope, but I know all about it. You... I've, I went to Dude. school in northern Wisconsin, and I have friends that were from Milwaukee, so I drank at Axel's, and uh, went, used, to go to McBob's, <laughs> used to go to McBob's Tacos, and then uh, heard of that one. it's like this weird <laughs> Scottish bar that serves these burritos, and then these crazy mixed drinks. Hmm. We don't know about it, Tom, because there was no open mic there. But the uh, um, yeah, I, this wasn't to do comedy. This was to p- get blacked out. <laughs> you, are, are you really surprised that people don't? Safe House is pretty. I didn't realize how well known. Yeah, yeah, it's it pretty is. Iconic, yeah. I uh, uh, I got to be honest with you that when I look back on Milwaukee and places to do comedy outside of a club, I think that was one of the better. Oh yeah, I would you agree? Yeah, like as far totally. as like outside of comedy Cause, clubs, because you had like these rotating audiences, you never had the same audience because it was all tourists coming in there. I remember one night it was, I was hosting, and then uh, Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub came down, and they did this this baby basically mocking a two man act. They went up and did stuff, and then uh, Frank Caliendo came up. Frank would walk off. He would storm off the stage because he'd get so pissed at the audiences there because they would give him nothing. Those audiences were so could they be were so tough. brutal. Yeah. 
So, I mean, like, so that for me, it was like I was hosting, I was running the whole thing. So I had to do all the time. And in Milwaukee, there's like six comics wandering around. <laughs> yeah. And I'd have to like herd them in. No, 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 it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Come on in. Sometimes I'd go up, no people would be in the back, and I would just start talking until people started showing up. And eventually somebody would always wander in, right? <laughs> right. Like, that's the thing about that room because it's, they get lost. Right. It's right. really what it boils down to. What Tom's not saying is that there's so many sliding secret doors and basically you pull a book and the next thing you know you're in a, you're doing in the middle of a comedy show <laughs> right you know yeah. but it was but that's true for um uh, uh, i'm assuming you know Rob, who rob Schraub and dan Harmon are, right uh yeah okay. yeah yeah why well, i was no, sure. no i didn't mean it like, to uh, yeah, I'm not like well, yeah we were in the, they originally in a group yeah, yeah we they were did in the uh and then they were in comedy sports as well and then now they're out here in la they went out in like 97 Oliver Stone signed them for uh, the, Rob's comic book in in '97. They were going to make a video game or something, and then, and then yeah, and then they just blew up. They did Heat Vision and Jack, and then they did, which uh, is was so funny, dude. I cannot right. believe it's like it the wasn't greatest a pilot that it never, never got, got made. Yeah, and that's on YouTube, right? If you wanted to see that, it used to be like back. You know, back that, in our day, you'd have to find it on someone's oh, VHS yeah. copy. Well, they would, they would do they would do showings at this like that one hundred and one, right? And it became Channel one hundred and one, Channel one hundred and one, which yeah. became which launched Andy Samberg and wait, that was theirs, Channel one hundred and one. Yeah, they oh, I didn't know that. they started that. Yeah, yeah, they just started that out of out of like Rob's house, and then it eventually expanded. And then, of course, you know, Rob's directing the Lego Movie now, and Dan's wrote Community and and has Harmontown, and yeah, <laughs> but Dan like. Dan, I remember talking to Dan, like Dan, even like 20 years ago, like people talk about how difficult he is. Like he is, I remember just talking to him. I was like, hey, uh, that was great. You came down the other night to do uh, the safe house. Love to have you back again. And he just sort of looked at me. He's like, no. (laughs) And then he just went back to like writing. And I was like, oh, this conversation's over. Like (laughs) I've never been big timed. Like, like I was like, oh, that's that. I just walk away now. Like he's not going to say goodbye to me. So he's he's always kind of been the same way. So he hasn't changed as a result of fame. He's always just been <laughs> just kind of like matter of fact. Somebody actually told me recently that fame doesn't change you. It only amplifies who you are. Oh, yeah, so yeah. if you're already a super nice person, people will probably continue to say, oh, my God, they're a super nice person. And they probably continue to give. Or if you already had jerk tendencies... Unfortunately, they. Or I mean, I, there's probably also just a lot of middle of the road people there's, that just. I, don't I, I'd like shit. to think that I'm one of those people that, like, if you had to deal with me ten years ago, you'd be like, "Yeah, he's a little bit annoying," and uh, I'd rather not be around him. He's a little bit opinionated and kind of a loud mouth, etc. But now I think if you dealt with me now, you'd be like, "Well, he's very fun. He's very good. Fun. He's have fun you to be around." In your in your old, I age? think I have, man. Yeah. I think I have. Plus, you know, switch from coffee to green tea. <laughs> yeah, that's what this that, is about. Is there a that sponsorship helps. with green tea? On by the way, <laughs> that's our second not, it's brought to you by tea. green tea. Just, Just in general, any green tea, any whatever green tea. it is, all of them, every brand. <laughs> Just the conglomerate. Every big, big tea, guys. This is brought to you by big tea. Big tea, the the lobby, the right. lobby is from big tea. Big tea is Mr. T's dad. Not uh, many people uh, know okay. that. Um, I do really want to quit. Gordon Downey was the lead singer of Tragically Hip, and yes, he did recently pass away, and he is beloved. He couldn't have been that old. In Canada, he wasn't. It's very tragic. He, oh. was, he had cancer, I believe. It was... Uh, uh, tr- 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 <laughs> Get into the details of the cancer. Yeah, I don't need to... Yeah, I don't know why you're doing that. Anyway, <laughs> and then I it feel spread bad. to the... <laughs> no, so, when I, so the interesting thing about this, and maybe this is why, and then we'll get back to uh, Tom and the Safe House journey. No, but, but the reason why... <laughs> The reason, no, no, I was to say the reason why I think he may have been a little pissy is because they were, he was they were playing at this place called the Shank Hall, oh, yeah. which is very small. It's only like a couple hundred, but most acts 
well-known acts had gone through Shank Hall. Um, but if you w- went to go see them, which eventually, um, when I was working with a band called The Guffs way back in the day, we had ended up doing uh, uh, an Eden Fest, which is in Toronto, and Tragically Hip was the headliner, and there was 100,000 people there to yeah. see them. So they were huge, in huge, Canada. huge in Canada. Yeah. Right? So back to the safe house. Do you think they still do comedy there? Or is that... No, they... Uh, it's still a bar, though, right? It's still oh, yeah. there. I took my wife to it once. Yeah. You take everyone's wife there. Yeah. You uh, did the same thing? Tom does a wife field trip. If everyone's wife wants to get on a bus, <laughs> he'll take them all there. Show here's, you what's Here's what. what your husband from Milwaukee was talking about. <laughs> so if you want to go... In. Um, I, I, they did stop. I, I think they did try to get it going again, but uh, <laughs> after a while, as more comedians came around, I think they were just like, "This is scaring off." Okay, customers. this is not doing us any good. Right, right. And it's. I think they moved it into a different room, and and it just didn't uh, have the same appeal. When it gained, when it gained popularity, they were like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when more comedians showed up, I think comedians ruin everything. Yeah, a lot of them in one place. It's yeah. like skinheads. You yeah. know, it's not a good. <laughs> Great comparison. John. Not a good. It's not a good look. Yeah. You, uh, you actually. I haven't spent that much time in Milwaukee because most of my family does not live there. So when I go back, but you actually, I know there's a couple comedians that you've supported and are mentored over the years. But does what's the? It is Milwaukee still. I kind of feel like you and Caliendo kind of started the comedy scene per mm-hmm. se. And then the rest of us kind of like, I felt like there was this moment where there was a lot, like everyone was really trying to, starting to get into it. There was a lot of open mics. There was a lot of clubs. Right, right. A lot more clubs. clubs in Wisconsin in general that you could travel all the way from Green Bay to Appleton to Madison, right? Yeah, yeah. A couple clubs in, in Milwaukee. So there was, there was a lot of, just within the, own, within the state and a lot of open mics within Milwaukee, it seemed like a thing. Obviously, we've been gone a long time, but... I feel like you still kind of stayed connected. Is it still a thing there or not the way it was? It kind of... Like in the two th- early 2000s when I would go back, there was hardly anything. Like, you know, Stooges closed down, and I think uh, the club, <laughs> club Comedy closed, and I think there was just the cafe, the Comedy Cafe, and there was no safe house. So I was like, how are you guys getting stage time? But recently, they've really started to build up again. They okay. Milwaukee Collaborative, which is, which is actually where I'm performing on Friday. Plug. And uh, they're, uh, it's in the basement of the Grand Avenue Mall. And they have pretty big headliners like Matt Bronger's performing there, I think, in December. And Todd Berry's going to be there. Uh, so it's like a like an underground club. It's sort of like their alternative Interesting. Room. Yeah. So they have that. And then uh, Turner Hall, like a ton of comics come to That's there. a bigger venue, though, right? Right, so, right. Yeah, okay. But they are booking. And, you know, Jim Gaffigan's, Jim Gaffigan's going to open the arena, the new arena. So... I think it what, is. What do you like, mean the new arena? They're they're gonna move uh, the Bucks out of the Bradley Center, and they're gonna have this new arena that's gonna open. The in Bucks deserve a new arena. Oh god! This will be their third one for a team that hasn't this won doesn't anything. Doesn't done shit for it's like amazing. decades. Where are they building it? Uh, right near on top of the other one. It's <laughs> are a they getting rid arena. of any of the other ones? They never got rid of the Mecca. Right. Right. They ha- are they gonna get? Are they are they just gonna keep building arenas downtown <laughs> for people to? Perform? Milwaukee, the land, the city of arenas. <laughs> Take the arena tour. Not that you, I don't know why I I'm getting into get real estate with you, but get rid of the Bradley. Yeah, <laughs> they haven't discussed with Tom what they're going to do with the buildings <laughs> yet. But. but here's what I will say: the Bradley Center it was a horrible venue. Oh yeah, horrible, horrible. Like it was just designed in a, in a, was it? I think well, the they 80s, wanted it for right? hockey, it just, yeah. and they wanted it for hockey. They were really hoping they were going to get a hockey. Why team there. didn't they? That's what you should get rid of the Bucks and get a hockey team. That's well, what get you rid do. of the Bucks. I still don't understand. Get rid of the Bucks, the Brewers, and the Packers, and get a hockey team. I think Milwaukee. Yeah, why does Phoenix have? 
a hockey team. Dallas, Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, Phoenix is Arizona. Sorry. Or Las Vegas. Las Vegas. The Knights. I want to go see a Knights game, actually. That, mm-hmm. That's kind of a thing that's sort of making me think about going back Why to Why don't Vegas. we start by actually seeing games here in Los Angeles? Yeah. Uh, I do that. No, you don't. I see Kings games. Don't lie to us. I see like a Kings game a year, and then if they play, Blackhawks play, I try to see that too. Okay, fair enough. All right, that's right. Did you go to any of the Stanley Cup? Were the Stanley Cup? Did they play LA? In the no, uh, they, they they did. No, I went to wait, a no, playoff. Yeah. I went to a playoff game. I went to game four, I think, of the playoffs when the when the when the Blackhawks won that year. It was twenty thirteen. Uh, they won that year, and they played the Kings to get there. And yeah. then the Kings well, maybe that the was Blackhawks twi- one. Maybe that too. was twenty ten, and then. Yeah, because then the Kings in 2012, I think a, 2012 beat the Blackhawks and won the Stanley Cup. And I remember going to one of those games, too. But the Blackhawks had won the game I saw, but they okay. didn't win the series. Okay, But that series was one of the best for, for the Blackhawks not advancing. That, I remember that being one of the best hockey series I've ever seen. Like The scoring was great. It was back and forth. It was up and down. It, was, it went the full distance. It was just one of those series that was like... As a fan, that's what you want. Well, I also feel like that was when, when hockey was starting to peak again. It was bringing a yeah, lot more back. people back. The Blackhawks into... getting in, be, being good again, really got a lot of people back into it. And, yeah. that, and when it's not just like the same teams, it's, it's like baseball, dude. If it's not always the Yankees, then people are going to get interested. Yeah. Although this Yankees team this year could have easily won it all, I think. Yeah. I don't think Houston did anything for anybody this year. I felt like, the, I mean, yeah, they're a great team, but I don't think people were that excited about Houston. Well, I mean, look, it had this whole thing because of the, the tragedy and all that stuff. I get all that. I'm just saying as far as for baseball moving forward, I don't think it was that exciting overall for baseball. Um, my qu- my, my quick opinion of the whole thing would be Houston as a city probably could have used something to be happy about. Yeah, so that's good, what I'm saying. Good for them. That team, though, the, did you see the Sports Illustrated? Yeah, in t- 2013. Yeah, that oh, they, yeah, they, they predicted they put, the whole they thing. They put it out, and that with the same the guy was on the cover. That yeah. that is like to better, me better than what, Back to the Future. What they prediction. did, yeah, to me, what they did was they did for the game of baseball, like the way of baseball, like mo- now everyone's got to do the numbers thing. It's got to be mostly sabermetrics, and then like a few intangibles. That's like all it can be now, because like that's really like. Guys who get on base, like dudes who might have never gotten a shot in the major leagues like 10, 15 years ago, are winning games now. They're hitting the game-winning double. They're hitting the game. You know what I mean? Like, I think the game is more exciting now for me. I yeah. personally, that's what I think. But. Now, back to not winning. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Almost, <laughs> the yeah. Bucks, Brewers. Brewers. Yeah. Uh, this could be the Brewers. I mean, Eric Stearns came from Houston, I think. They're GM, so could be their year. Yeah, one they never knows. The At talent. least they want to try to be competitive, right? I right. think they're giving I feel a shit. like they yeah. do. Yeah, they actually give a yeah. shit for yeah. years. That's I mean, but we didn't care though. But, I mean, to be honest, let's be honest. I care. 80, we we cared. But you know, eighty two was the right. good Paul Molitor, yeah, and Robin we. Young. If you loved baseball in Milwaukee, you loved baseball in Milwaukee, right. and you were gonna. They were never the lovable loser Cub thing. No, but, but we we accepted what we had. We that classic small. Well, we're a small market. We deserve this. Right. We, <laughs> we deserve a hundred lost season. We deserve. We're sorry, but we're, like we're Milwaukee. Like Milwaukee, Houston was AL and NL. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like yeah, Houston yeah. played it as a National League team in the World Series against the White Sox. Do you miss? Do you, I'm assuming you used to go to games at the uh, at the old oh, Half yeah. Barrel, uh, right, at County Stadium, D- yep. Dade County Stadium. <laughs> uh, I was uh, part of the Pepsi Brewer Pepsi fan club. So was I. Yeah. I still have uh, something in the back of, in the. So in what did those nerd meetings consist of? <laughs> what uh... you got? Six <laughs> tickets to the Brewer games, uh, various Brewer games, general admission. You got a, a shirt, or sometimes a are you wearing bag. it now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little tight. Um, 
And I uh, have the duffel bag. Yeah, I still have it. And like a little membership card. I don't know. I probably get like ten percent off at the, uh, the 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 paraphernalia. Shop. You don't try to use it at other baseball. You don't go to Dodger Stadium. And go, hey, yeah, Dodger Club so member. Here, here's a here's a a, a a a a night they'll never have in Los Angeles that they used to have when I was growing up in in Milwaukee was the um, raincoat night. Oh, yeah. um, and 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 I was so excited. I went to that game and I got a raincoat. But but it was sponsored by Grandma Graf's uh, root beer. And so I wore it the next day to school, and I was like, yeah, Brewers. And they're like, you got something on it that says Grandma. Ah, ha, ha, ha. And I was like, all right, done with this thing. Like, I love how kids immediately are like, what can we find on him? <laughs> What's the weakness? Well, that doesn't sound like it was too difficult to pinpoint yeah. the weakness there. Just like, Grandma? Yeah, like, don't wear anything with Grandma. But that was a problem with anything you got from a baseball game back then was like, oh, we're giving away Cubs hats, and you get the Cubs hat, and the C is like... You know, a, a, an inch or a centimeter, and you know it's super tiny. And then next to it is like famous Amos cookies, and you're like, why am I advertising for this company that pays me nothing? But now everybody loves that kind of stuff. They think right. it's cool. If you have that stuff now, not the yeah. new stuff, but that stuff. My dad still has a Brewer hat uh, with Miller Ice prominently displayed. Yes, he, wears it. he doesn't. He yeah, doesn't think about it. He doesn't care. Probably yeah. pissed they don't make Miller Ice anymore. <laughs> I know I am. Yeah. So anyway, back to the safe house. We're going to bring it back around. So obviously... Brian never forgets. No. no. Well, he does. He forgets guy. a lot. Yeah, ra- that's, that's that's that how radio, radio brain. Got to bring it back. That radio brain. So who have you pooped in front of, Tom? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's getting it. Oh, shit. So, all right. So you said you took your, you, you did your, you, you, you took your time off, and you wanted to reinvent. When you say you wanted to do something different, were you... Not doing what you do now as a comedian is that why you're saying no, that? No, I, I mean I just thought or in like, your mind. oh yeah, in my mind. I mean maybe it wasn't maybe it was about three months, but I just uh, you know I was gonna like oh I could just write a new five minutes every few months and then I'll just go up and crush and then do another five minutes that'll crush and you know that's how it's gonna work yeah. so easy. And then I remember going up at like so I went up there for like. Three months I went up at the safe house or something, and I decided I'll hit up Stooges, or I think it was Funny Business maybe at the time, uh, to do their showcase night, like a Wednesday night showcase. And that was like the first time, like, because the safe house, you were like, oh, there's five people, it's not going that well, but people are smiling. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you certainly you can't, increase. it's hard to gauge a right. reaction. You're like, they're laughing, I'll t- they, they chuckle, they'll take that as a standing right. ovation. So I remember going to Stooges and then doing the bits that I had, and they were, they were like, I remember I came out to L.A., and I remember just seeing, like, oh, people tell jokes about John Wayne Bobbitt and O.J. Simpson and, uh, you know, the woman at McDonald's who spilled hot coffee on her lap. So those are the jokes I'm going to work on. And that was it, you know. So it was very, like, you know, it wasn't, like, stuff I liked. Wait, you so had gone you to focused, L.A.? You, I came second? to L.A. just to visit. I went to, like, a Notre Dame game with my brother to, when they played USC. This is back in the 90s. This, is, 90s, about, this yeah. is not, okay, got it. This is, like, okay. 95, so I came okay. out here, and then I was, like, Oh, okay. This is how I get better. So you went and saw comedy. Yeah, I went to the Hollywood Improv and I saw, uh, I don't know who, it was like a big long showcase of like 20 comics. (laughs) You know, it was like one of those potluck nights at the comedy store. (laughs) Where you go in excited and then you're like, so. 15 comics in, you're like, are we allowed to leave? (laughs) Like, right? There's that you don't know how it works. The etiquette of like, can I just get up and go? And why is this show so long? But but I find that interesting that you saw what most comics were talking about and you're like, okay, I need to work on jokes about these things. Right, not thinking that, why is every comic telling a joke? Not trying to find your own unique perspective and your own take, but you were 
like if everyone needs jokes about like like it was almost like a TV show you're auditioning for. Right. Like, well, looks like because well, it was it was L A too, and you're like this. Oh, L A. This, this is must how be big time. One does it. Yeah, so I'm assuming this was pre OJ, right? Because otherwise it would have been just all OJ jokes. Well, he so said OJ jokes. OJ was one of them. Okay, yeah. sorry, so I missed I that. So I do forget things, yeah. John. Yeah, <laughs> the things you heard <laughs> two seconds ago. Um, He's got no short-term memory. Yeah. But I did. I Who remember, are you, by the way? Welcome to the show. We, Tom Clark is here today. <laughs> okay, I remember going up at Stooges, though, and just telling jokes. And just I remember just looking at a guy in the front, and he's just like this. And just just looking at me, just dead-eyed, <laughs> and just like, oh my god, this guy hates me. Like I'm just telling jokes, and like, and you know that I don't know if you've ever had the throat go dry where you're just like, no, no oh I've god. never been nervous on stage oh before. God. But just where it's like, <laughs> I can't, not, I can't say anything. And um, I remember just, you know, I just got to get through this, and just. Never, you know, and I, I couldn't go up at Stooge or Funny Business or whatever it was for like a month or whatever, two months. You couldn't because of your own personal or because they said, don't come back? <laughs> I think I would hit them up and they'd be like, oh, we don't have any We're room good. on the showcase, you know. So it was like sort of back to the drawing board. So I was just trying to figure out. Isn't what it funny you never doing? forget those things? Oh, yeah. Like, th- th- those are the things that are ingrained in your mind. Yeah. Like, the one guy that didn't like me. Dude, it's like Michael Jordan's acceptance speech into the Hall of Fame. He, like, literally pinpointed every naysayer that's ever been in his life. It was, like, right, the weirdest forget. speech ever. But he, like, <laughs> named names. It was like, okay. And Danny Stevenson, who in fourth grade, like, all right, dude. <laughs> I mean, my memory, though, of, of when I first met you, it seemed like the Kulikowski family who ran Stooges were, like, huge fans of yours. Like, that was oh, yeah. kind of, like, a great relationship, I think, that you had for, yeah, for stand-up were... for you, right? Like, in your, in, you know, you guys, that was a great thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, they would always have me open up for Lewis Black, uh, and Lewis liked me. <laughs> so I remember Lewis really got a kick out of me, and, like, he would, we would do shows there. This was probably 97. Um, 96, 97, and like 20 people would show up to watch Lewis Black. 20 people, and he would eat it. Like, he, they didn't get it. I remember somebody commented on one of his jokes, and he just went off. Went on crazy. Him. Yeah. And he's staying like at the Black. XL Inn by the airport, <laughs> and he's still on the Daily Show, but I had to pick him up at the XL Inn. I'm like, oh my gosh, what a life. And then uh, I, I was opening for him, and he loved me. He says, you know, send me a tape. I'm going to see what I can do for you. So I gave him a tape. He's like, he said, I'm going to give it to HBO. I'm going to let them watch it. And then I was like, oh, wow. Like, so, you know, I got one of those huge cameras and filmed it, and I sent it to him. <laughs> and I worked with him the next time. I was like, what, what did they say? He's like, I laughed. Uh, <laughs> 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 I was like, I guess that's the end of that. Uh, <laughs> and that such tree. ended Tom's relationship with HBO. <laughs> right. Although I did shoot something for HBO on Monday. So oh, I saw that. I was going to say, Room 104. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It comes but, all yeah. back around. There it is. You're like, you're like in the video village. You like lean over to one of the executives like, <laughs> you know who I am, right? You guys have heard about Lewis me, right? Black. Lewis Black thought it was funny. Why the fuck were you guys? Okay, get this guy out of here. He's a psycho. <laughs> we can just cut you out of it. Immediately replaced. <laughs> yeah, you got three lines, buddy. Shut up. <laughs> hey, where do you guys? Where's your guys' VHS library here? I want to see if my stuff is still I here. I want to see if Lewis Black actually gave back. my tape yeah. to HBO. But like no, that's said. that's great too. Congratulations, uh, one hundred four. You playing a cop? Yeah, yeah, I got Love to play it. Clueless uh, Cop. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was really great. Um, did Mark Duplass wrote it. Did they uh, Did they direct you? Did the brothers direct you too? Or no, no. It was uh, 
one of their friends, but it was it was really fun. I did it with actually the guy. Remember the guy from Wisconsin who did the yo-yo thing where he said he's a yo-yo master and he would appear on these morning shows in Wisconsin and he was terrible at the yo-yo. So but I his whole thing was... He's really bad at yeah. the yo-yo. So he'd be on these morning shows, and they'd be like, okay, show us some of your tricks. And he'd just like literally spin <laughs> the yo-yo and be like, you know, that really gets the kids going. You know, I just do this for a few minutes. And he's like, and you got to imagine there's music and stuff, so it's, it's a little better than <laughs> did, this. So did they know that he was going to do they, it, or they thought he was a they yo-yo? They thought he was legit. He made up a website. Like, he told me all that's, the details. That's what I, yeah. He made up a website. He was working on with Chris Smith, who did the uh, American movie documentary with uh, Mark Borchardt. So they, he they're, had it all planned out. They're not the same guys who do the exercise, are they? The dudes they, who, they're friends of his. Yeah, because that's his. funny, too. So they, they go on talk shows. That, like, I knew, I knew these guys are... Gonna do just new exercises, yeah. and they come and, on and do nonsense, and everyone's like, "Oh!" And what? they're getting sued. Those guys are getting sued <laughs> really? by some of these morning shows. because the morning shows probably are like, um, "Are people... should have done their research?" Are yeah, we... yeah, exactly. He's like, "That's what he said." He's like, "They don't do their research. They're just like, we got to fill the time." So, anyways, from that, he the people from the office saw it. I, I guess there's a girl there that he knew who was a writer on the office. They showed them the videos. They brought him on. He's supposed to do like four episodes. Ended up doing 19 episodes and was going to be on the spinoff of Dwight Schrute's uh, spinoff show from the office. And and you know, like just from that, he had no like acting. Wow. You know, he did it to kind of as a goof for his friends. I mean, it's pretty elaborate. It's not really a goof, but you know, he that's how he. Got into Hollywood and and now he's like on Better Call Saul and he was in this he was like the star of this. That's crazy and not even an a, not even an actor by trade. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, just do yo yo master by pretty, trade. Is he pretty I just still don't get it. I'm like, so he's good at the yo yo or bad at the yo yo? Well, <laughs> so he must be a pretty strong character. Then is that is that your yeah. take? Because if you you know what I mean, like you wouldn't recommend most people to never take an acting class and think you're going to have that kind of success, right? Right. He was just very. I mean, he just plays himself. You know. I mean, you know, naive Midwest. Guy, right. you know, so there's none of those out there, yeah, not enough. <laughs> um, but he, um, well, the episode we shot, I don't, I can't say I mean no. what it is, but it's very dark and but very funny. And he's just, yeah, that's kind of the deal with the show, it's like uh, multiple stories out of this one hotel room, right? Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, but he was very nice, and like everyone on the set, and the other guy was like a writer for Adventure Time, and the other guy was a writer. For just a writer, he mainly writes for like SpongeBob. He writes for Adventure Time, and then he apparently had done a movie with Mark Duplass like ten years ago. And Mark called him up. He says, "Hey, I think you'd be good for this part," and just brought him in. I was like, "Oh my god, like, that's great, buddy like, system." Yeah, right. Yeah. <clears throat> but also, that's just kind of a—you never know. That's why you do weird, bad movies, yeah. and that's why you do anything that kind of comes your way in the beginning. Because in the beginning, or now, eighteen <laughs> years in. <laughs> Like John will take anything, please. Yeah, <laughs> just because you know you never know who you're going to meet or what those people are going to go on to do and how they they remember you fondly. It could be an easy gig, you know. Yeah. And uh, Lewis Black was always good to you, though, if I remember correctly. Like he was always. I mean, yeah. not, he never. He always. Uh, he was a very self-deprecating human being behind uh, off camera too. That I always noticed about him. Right. Right. And he never really felt like. Well, I mean, he would try to do whatever, but he'd always kind of have it like, look, nobody cares about me either, kid, kind of attitude, right? Right. Like, I mean, we did, he, you know, you know, they still do this, the 10 comics to watch for, but back in like 99, they did it, and they, the 10 comics were supposed to pick like a comic that they think will be on the rise. So they, he picked me, and then we did this show at the Laugh Factory, 
you know. That was, was that after you moved out here? No, it was right before I moved okay. out. So he invited his managers to come out, and, he, and I had told my current manager, Stu Golfman, about it. And uh, his managers didn't show up. Stu showed up, and that's sort of what just, I was just like, well, if they don't care, like, I'm not going to, you know, invite them out. And <laughs> this is a weird story. But I, the one thing I remember, and I, Andrew's told this story, too, uh, but Andrew Salmson, I, I accidentally walked in on him on the toilet. That's, that was our first introduction. Cool. On Tom. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, just, just back out of the room, dude. I'm Tom. I'm from Milwaukee. <laughs> I can tell. I'm on the showcase. <laughs> I'm on the toilet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, that was our, he always brings that up, that that was our first introduction. That's a great intro, yeah. though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Friends so forever. That. But that was, uh, but yeah, that was like Maria Bamford was on that show, Mitch Hedberg. Zach Alfanakis. So, I mean, they were pretty accurate on picking the 10 comics to watch. For. Yeah. That's a crazy lineup. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. I remember Mitch was there and, like, yeah. Mitch, How did he do? He was, yeah. I mean, Mitch didn't care. He did, he's, I, I, you know, the whole showcase was all industry people. So it was kind of like. It I, is what it is. Yeah. So it was like, you, and we did like three minutes. They didn't care. Like, we, for us, it was like, wow, Hollywood came a calling. You and worked it, with Mitch a couple times, or at least once, right? I worked with Mitch in, uh, yeah, in Milwaukee, and uh, and then I ran into him. So I worked with him in Milwaukee, featured for him all week. And, I, you know, it was one of those things, like, for me, like, the seal of approval was when you'd do a joke and you'd hear Mitch in the back go, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved I loved hearing that. Like, he said it a couple times during my set. Like, when no one else would laugh, you'd just hear, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and then the audience would laugh at him at saying, him saying that. that. Right. <laughs> um, but then I, I did Montreal like two years after I worked with them, maybe even like three years after I worked with them. And it was, Montreal was horrible for me. Like it didn't go well. I bombed. Uh, and, uh, and I'll get into that if you want. But uh, Always. <laughs> but he, um, but yeah, I was walking to one of the venues and he was walking with his agents who I'd met the night before and they were kind of standoffish. They were from Gersh. And uh, they were very standoffish. Like they wouldn't like shake my hand. Another comic was introducing me to him. So Mitch was with them. And Mitch at this time had just had his, his, his toe amputated because, you know, he's having the, the issues with, with drugs and stuff. So, so I was walking and Mitch called over me. He said, hey, Tom Clark. And I was like, like, how do you remember me? Like, after all he's been through, and I've only worked with him once, and he called me over. He's like, and he told the agents, he's like, this is Tom Clark. He's really funny. And they're like, he's like, and he's like waiting for us to shake hands. And I like put my hand out, and they like, you know, like they're touching a turd or something like that. But, Ugh, but it was such Hollywood. a great moment of like, you know, Mitch sort of yeah. saying, like, this guy's funny. And that's, that to me was like all I needed for my Better than any suit going, good, we love you. Right, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so that was that was the <laughs> the best part. But yeah, I was so sad when he uh, passed away because he was such a nice, just a nice guy and and so un- not pretentious. And I remember inviting him to Walski's. I was like, "Hey, you want to go to Walski's after the show?" He's like, "Nah, man." They <laughs> 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 give you these bumper stickers. No, nah, man, I'm good. You know. <laughs> Yeah, well, not obviously in hindsight, that was not his thing, right? Right, that right. Was, yeah. He's kinda... he, unfortunately, he was. Is it heroin? Was it heroin that killed him? 
I think that was so, his thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think there was that was in some there. heavy drugs, yeah. uh, heavy drug use. Unfortunately, it's too bad. It's been a long time. But he did. He died not too long after that, right? Yeah. Because once he got the oh. to- like when the foot got that was kind of yeah. like. So I, were, I was in Montreal in '04, and I think he passed in '05. So yeah, yeah. It was right after that. But well, what I, happened in Montreal? <laughs> by by then though, you were already we were already living out here, right? Yeah, we were out here. Um, <laughs> at that point, speaking of like, I saw Stu Golfman is my manager, and then he got shipped back to Canada because he didn't have a visa, a work visa <laughs> after nine eleven. <laughs> Get those Canadians out of here! <laughs> uh, so I went from Stu Golfman to Chip Butterman was my next He's not, make, do you, not making this up. Are, right? Do you only go with guys who have cartoon names? Is that your deal? <laughs> I like stereotypical. Hi, my name's Dan names. Johnson. Too real. Too normal. Get out. Chip Butterman, sign me up. <laughs> Where do I sign? <laughs> it's Scooter McGee. Come that, on that's it. Yeah. My name is Potato Chip. <laughs> I'm in. You had me at potato. Butter emoji? Man emoji. <laughs> I just signed with two emojis. <laughs> right. <laughs> Two emoji agency. Um, but, yeah, so I, I was with him, and, yeah, he got me Montreal. And, uh, yeah, you know, I was like, I had just done, like, I did uh, Kilborn, the Carson of our time. and uh, <laughs> The Carson Daly of our time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I had just done, like, Late Friday, so I was like, so it was kind of cool, you know, and I was with, I had signed with Omnipop, who was, you know, a pretty good agency for, for, Road. So I was like already sort of like established. Like I wasn't really going to get much out of it other than maybe, you know, TV's, you know, networks or whatever wanting to put me on shows, hopefully. Or so I did it. And then I remember they're like, uh, Oh yeah, so you can uh, you can have any song you want play when you come out, and I was like, oh, it's Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash. That'll be cool. And uh, we, you know, they were so cocky that like we play any song, any song you want. And I remember walking out there, and I just heard this like cacophony of noises, just like <laughs> and then I get out, and then they stop abruptly, and they're sort of I see them sort of arguing like amongst themselves of what song <laughs> they were all trying to play. And then I get out there, and I just remember it was that Club Soda, I think it was, and. And just just went through my act, and I should have like if I would have like like now I would like make fun of the fact that that was supposed to be Ring of Fire. Instead, I was just like, boom, that's just my act, and I just ate it. And uh, you know, just just like one of those things where it's like, oh, that joke didn't work. Oh, that joke's not working. Like, uh, oh my yeah. god, like none of these jokes. And then the guy from uh, the guy who ran New Faces. Evie Rajiv, I think is his name. He's just like, what was that? I was like, like I don't need that. Like after I walk off stage, what, <laughs> what was no that? shit, man? <laughs> I was like, oh my god. So that was like uh, just terrible. And I remember like the next day, I was just like, I got to get out of here. And luckily, I had uh, some in laws that lived in in Montreal, so I just hung out with them for the day and like just got away from the festival. And uh, I did it with uh, Eddie Pence was there and. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think like who, like nobody really. Uh, Marina Franklin was probably one of the people that maybe came out of there. I don't know, but none of our. Uh, our Steve Run is easy. <laughs> Speaking of 9/11, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. He brings it. Makes a good point. He, he spoke of it quite often. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Every every comic needs a good origin story. I think. Yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to have like a Superman type origin story. <laughs> <laughs> I survived nine eleven. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, but yeah, so it's just like so. Then the next night, you know, I went up and it went better. 
But at that point, it didn't matter because it was like, I remember, so there was a write-up in the Montreal Gazette where they rated all the comics 1 to 10. And, you know, no one really, like, some couple people got, like, 9. No one even, like, got 10, but they were so harsh. And then I remember for me, it was just an icon of, like, a bomb. And then it said, definitely not Milwaukee's best. Oh, my uh, God. I was like, I remember reading it. Like, they would put it all in this, like, column at the Montreal at the hotel. And I was, everyone's looking at the reviews. And I remember Jimmy Pardo coming over and putting his hand on my back. He's like, it doesn't fucking matter. And I was like, I, was like, oh, I hadn't seen my article. I was like, well, I wonder what that means. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a negative review. Oh, um, but yeah. that's but not, that was right. very nice of Jimmy. And he is right, yeah. technically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that has not... Montreal hasn't been a thing that's been in like uh, a, a, a making comedians thing for a while. Ninety nine well, was probably the last. Yeah, one. going back to Mitch Hedberg, there was always the joke that he was the last person to really right. get something out of it, and and they kind of were trying to hang it on him, like blaming him for the well, beginning, of the end of giving people like make you know giving people big deals. Yeah. out of that. I think it was before. I think it was a little bit after that when Frank got hit because Frank got a big deal out of Montreal and this guy named Chicken. Uh, yes. Now, uh, rest in peace as well. Yeah, yes, he he ended up killing himself. Yeah, uh, about yeah six or seven years. Couple after. years. Yeah. yeah, but he was supposed to be the next big thing, sort of like this Jim Carrey and like very physical. Like he'd literally just like run into a wall to get a laugh. Like and but didn't really have like he didn't. He just was committed to everything. Like, I think one time he went up at the improv and like shaved himself, like shaved his genital region. You okay. know, that's a good five minutes. Uh, <laughs> if you're sloppy. Do you think he timed it out? <laughs> if you're sloppy. He ran the light. Right, right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think, that, I think that was a thing that sort of like soured everyone on the development deal. Cause <clears> like, the pressure that he was under and then not really coming up with anything. And then, right. They did the sketch show Hype. Uh, which is what brought Caliendo to right, Los Angeles was Hype. Yeah. I remember that. I remember, I remember one sketch on that show. Wow. Uh, I remember it was um, Tiger it was a kid. It was like something about Tiger Woods, and it was uh, like a, a kid golfing, or like a little black kid golfing, and it's like, we've learned a lot. <clears throat> we've learned a lot from Tiger Woods. Whatever the whole thing was, it comes down to, that's how we know the next great golfer is definitely going to be white, or something like that. It ended up being like this, having like racial overtones as to like, because it was right around the time when people were like, Tiger Woods is black. And then he was like, I'm half Asian. Actually, I'm white. And people are like, wait, what is Tiger? What, right. Where is he? Where does he fall on this scale? And it was just so ridiculous that this commercial kind of called attention to how silly it was and that it didn't matter. He was a good golfer. It right. gives a shit. Like, well, I remember Frank, hated, yeah, Frank loathed it. He was yeah. just like, ugh. He's like, he hated every day. I, can't, I can imagine. It, it didn't, it was like uh, the girl who was uh, Marsha Brady or Jan Brady oh, yeah, yeah. was on there. Um, and Frank, and I don't remember really anybody else. I yeah, can't I, yeah. There, I think there are a couple people from Groundlings. But um, that was what WB. Yeah, the WB. something that doesn't exist anymore. Right. right. It yeah. Was, yeah. It became the CW or whatever it is. But yeah, it's. But yeah, I mean that was that was the thing. But Montreal at the time, you, you know, and even in '04, you were still thinking like, this is this it. is going to do is, something. And I remember for me. like that. Flying home, I had I actually had to go to Vegas, and I was performing at the the Riviera. So I was like, so there's no time to like feel sorry for myself. You got to so go get like, back on it and be. But that was like, probably the best thing that could possibly happen, though. Yeah, I was like, well, the other funny thing that happened was because right you're like, at- no, it was actually horrible in Vegas, and then <laughs> those same people were there. 
same crowd. Well, Eddie told me that I for, sort of forgot about this, but shortly after Montreal, my man, my manager dropped me because he just got out of the business. He's like, "You're the only one who went to Montreal and actually lost representation <laughs> <laughs> as a result of going to Montreal." That's what Eddie Pence said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, thanks for remembering." Eddie that. used to be on the show. We don't know what happened to him. But he, was... <laughs> he just left. Just wandered off. Yeah, he just one day. Yeah. Um, that's hilarious. The first, I'm the only guy who went to Montreal and lost. Representation. <laughs> did you guys? Did he have the same manager? Um, who, you, you no, know, Eddie, Eddie Pence. Did no, not, Eddie, he didn't have Chip Butterman. No, he didn't. He, he got, you got to work for Chip Butterman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then he left the business to do anything else, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was brutal. Then Stu came back. Stu, Stu came back. He, he, oh, he, he got, got his visa repaired. Visa repaired. That's the term. Uh, it's government. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I've been with Stu. I mean, I've been with Stu for almost twenty years now, so it's uh, it's had its ups and downs. But, <laughs> know, but he's a good guy. Like he's he is the one. He's like, an agent now, isn't he? He's an he's a yeah he's an agent. I guess I don't know. I never know. It's, it doesn't. He, I mean, he's always been either my agent or my or manager. manager. He's yeah. something for he's your you. Your agent. Uh, he's your manager. <laughs> and to answer your question, it's not that you get your visa fixed. You have to get your shots. Ah, yeah. squirrel rabies. <laughs> I remember when Ian Bag was was trying to get his citizenship, uh, and he came in. We were doing the Ian Bag Show podcast way back then, and he came in. He was just like sick as a dog, and I was like, "What is the matter with you?" He's like, "I had to get all my become American shots, get back to America shots." I'm like, <laughs> this is what they do to you. Like, it, what if you survive, you get to stay. Like, what? Well, if you survive, you become immune to whatever gross shit we have here. It's weird. Anyway, now he can eat McDonald's without turning gray. <laughs> so anyway, there's the Montreal thing. You're living out here. Life is well, pretty good because you. Boy, know, I, actually, I want to know. I want to get back to how he, he. At least he had a good place to come. Okay, he knew me. Right. That's a good. And we Let's had, get there we real had, quick. We had a TV and two pieces of furniture, so he had a lot to come home to. That, <laughs> that felt like sad it felt so. When boring. you're done bragging, we had a picnic table. <laughs> I oh inside. Yes. Yeah, awesome. It's on the side of the house. He walked past it when he came here. Hey. uh when you went from Montreal to Vegas, mm-hmm. how were your Riviera shows? Did you, could you, were you able to kind of come out and you, did you have crowds that were like, you were like, oh, God, great, not industry, just people that want to laugh? Yeah, that, yeah, it was like 14 shows, two shows a night. Right away, I flew in Monday. I had to start it. Shows, yeah. So two shows a night. And yeah, and yeah, and it was, it was like, great, like, this is why I'm doing it. Yeah, you're not to doing make, it too. That, that's a good. That's nice that you had that thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it couldn't have been timed any better. And, you know, and I already had Omnipop and TJ's like, and my TJ Markwalder, who was my agent, was just like, that doesn't matter. Who cares? We're still going to work with you. We love you. So it's like, that was sort of nice. Like, you see or hear such shitty things about people in Hollywood. And, like, I got to say good things about TJ because he, he did really stick by me, even though he dropped me when he went to Gersh. Well, but, uh, but you know, that was something that he had to do. Like, they're like, well, we want Pat and we want Doug Benson. We want, you know, your top guys, you know. But they don't want the table scrap guys that are. But he was, you know, so good to me. Like, you know, and, and being with Omnipop was great. And, and then Stu, wherever Stu wandered off to, I went with him there and, you know. It's been a good relationship, I would say. Nice. You know. Good. Nice. That's all. I just wanted to talk more about the, the Riviera, effect. the after effect of when you, cause when you, I don't think people realize that that takes a lot out of you. Like you, yeah. you really like start to question like this thing that you've been doing for a little bit now, you're like, you really like it. You're having a good time. And then when it starts to become a thing that could possibly be more than just a hobby and be like a full, like this could be what I do. I could, you know, be this person and I could tell these jokes. And then you're like, well, but no, the industry thinks I'm a piece of shit. So then you get super down on yourself. 
But then you have to realize that if you got into stand-up comedy to entertain people in the fucking industry, then you're not doing it right. And that, right. that's not going to be... That's not going to be a fruitful yeah. career. You know what I mean? And, and most of the guys I know that did get anything out of it, like it subsided after a year. They were kind of like the agency was done with them. So I was lucky, like... I just, you know, I stayed with who I had, you know, I mean... I, you broke even. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's like, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't necessarily a negative thing. But there was a weird thing, like, where I remember, like, a, these comedy except, uh, central executives who were, who were very big fans of mine. But I remember, like, after the festival, like, they hugged me, and it felt like a goodbye hug. Like, like <laughs> sorry you're retiring from comedy forever. <laughs> right, right, but it just You felt had like a the, good run. It felt like the mob kiss, like, in, like... <laughs> you go into a room, there's a big marlin on the wall, you're like, oh, fuck... <laughs> But yeah, that was kind of uh, that was probably the one. But uh, yeah, but the Vegas thing was great um, to to actually just go back into doing shows right away and not have to and realize why you're doing it. Now Tom has a better memory than I do. At least I remember you saying this to me once. We used to run a show at. <laughs> uh, uh, it's not. It does not open anymore. Amagi's. Am- oh, the Amagi's on Amagi's at yes. uh, Gower Gulch. Gower yes. Gulch. Yeah, we you took, guys ran a show there. When? Yeah, I don't remember. We took it over from somebody because I was doing. Um, was it Rich? Rich uh, Williams. Rich or? Williams and Brian uh, Burke. Burke were running, but they were doing a bringer show. We turned it into open mic because I had shut down uh, the one. We're um, like the Bernie Sanders Sitters. of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> this is for everybody. Uh, this is everyone. Come on in. Great. I no one have, likes this. <laughs> I, I do have a lot of the sign up sheets from back then, but you said that really? quite a few people. Like I don't remember whoever came through, but you said we actually had, you know we had a pretty good run of like people that became something like that. People always forget that like, you got to start somewhere. Open mic. Right, and, and I kind of feel like back then the open mics were um, like a lot of people, even though they were doing stuff in the business, were still going to open mics. Like they didn't care; they were still showing up to these things. Yeah, I remember seeing Bill Burr. Like people would just be grabbing sushi there, like Bill Burr, Pat Oswalt, or Chelsea Handler, you know, and they would just be like, "Oh yeah, I'll go up," you know, like they didn't care. Like I have yeah. no memory of any of these things, by the way. <laughs> and sorry, you were pounding sushi and cheap beers, probably. <laughs> probably the, the cheap beers. What, what, when did you guys run that? It. Room. What year was that? That was probably oh, 03, man. maybe. Yeah. Or 02. Yeah. <laughs> did who early. who do was, you, did someone take it over after you guys? I think they yeah, probably. I mean, there was the guy okay. Danny Yarborough? Things, no, uh I remember Danny Yarborough. I don't know if he did. There was a couple things going on before we there was there was always karaoke afterwards, and that guy hated us. He hated every comic <laughs> that was ever there. Right. Right. And then there was the place right in the guy, like, the server guy. Remember him? I forget the guy's name. The Japanese server oh, yeah. guy that he was a good worker. He was, was a great worker. He loved the comedy, and there was a there was a woman who I think there was a bar in the room, right? It was just no. Outside it was the just room. outside the room. There's yeah. a big window. That, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But she was nice. Yeah. But everybody else there was just like, when is this going to end? Right. And then the restaurant like, that was like it was like the other part of the family dining area was right. always packed to, with like, and you had to go through there to go to the bathroom. Like, yes. Like, yeah. 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 It was really. I I started doing shows. Must be. I mean, I want to say it was 2002, but if you yeah. guys no, were... No, it was 2002. It was probably... It, you, was, it was one of the first rooms like where we I could get up and I would always host the show and, you know, because it was a bringer room, so I'd always go up to a half, pretty much an empty room and, yeah. you know, get my 10 minutes. But I was never there with you guys. I was always... There was never... When I would... I would go there and meet people that were like, uh, I met this one kid. He's like, I'm a road comic. I go, oh, Okay. And then I watched him. I go, oh, if that's what comedy on the road is, I don't. That's terrible. I don't want to see that. Like, who would want to see that? 
I remember a young Ben Gleberman, mm. Ben Gleberman, uh, coming up and uh, like dropping his credits on us. I ran one of the top. Uh, what, do, what do they call? It? What is the Wayne's World thing where they're running this show? What do they call it? Cable Access? I have the top Cable Access <laughs> show in San Diego. Uh, you know, how much time can I get? It's like uh, five, like everybody five else. <laughs> I'll say this: when I when I would go there, because I had a, something kind of weird, and and this is this was Danny, and Danny, if you ever hear this, I, I love you, and you're very, you're great to give me stage time, and I always appreciated it. But this was really one night. He calls me. I'm at work in Santa Monica, and he's like, "Hey, man, do you want to headline a Moggy's tonight?" And I was like, "What? Yeah, dude, headline the room. Yeah, dude, I never really headlined anything." And he's like, you can do 30 minutes. I go, what? Like, I'm like, do I even have 30 minutes? Like, holy shit. So I speed. I leave work early to speed from Santa Monica to Hollywood. And I get there, and there's nobody there. And I'm like, oh, okay. I should have thought this through. <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, look, man, I don't know. I, he goes, I was on Melrose today passing out flyers. I go, well, okay, so no one's definitely coming. <laughs> and then he goes, but if you want, <clears throat> here's what you could do. You could do your 30 minutes to me, and I could do my 30 minutes to you, and we could critique each other's set. And I just went, man, I'm just going to go home. And I just left, dude. I, I was like, there's right. no way I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. But it, it, was, was, it was a nice thought, and I got what he was doing. He was like, let's not make this a wasted evening. <clears throat> but at the same time, even then, I was like, that's not going to help me as a comedian. <laughs> it's just not. Fighting for audience. And the funny thing is, it was actually a decent venue yeah. for, in small, and it was just funny that you could still... It was that hard to get 15, 20, 25 people in a room to watch. Yeah, well, that parking, even though there was a parking lot, it wasn't, there was barely any parking in there. You know what I mean? The Rite Aid is there. The the, Denny's. The Denny's was right there. There's a, uh, um, not Tidal Wave, but what was it called? What was the sandwich place called? Was it called Tidal Wave? Togo's? There's a Togo's. There's also a Tidal Wave restaurant in there. There was something else. There's all sorts of There's a Starbucks in there now. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, I... I enjoyed it for the the time we had. I remember he, I even got Ithrium to drive out to one of the shows. Remember oh, the yeah. homeless guy that used to be oh. at uh, what was it? Am I forgetting the other place? Barazur. Barazur. I we, I have a good story about Ithrium. No, I'll, I'll, I'll preface <laughs> this so you understand the story. Ithrium. So I used to run. Uh, uh, I, uh, Aaron Cater and Brian Keith Etheridge used to uh, had had this place, Barazur. It was an open mic, and then I inherited it from them. And then during that time. This guy just comes wandering in and sits. Were you around there when he yeah. first came in? And I think he had a puppet in his hand or something and like that. Uh-oh. Didn't he have like a sex toy or something too? S- may have been dangling that at people, yeah. But he would sit in the front row at every show, and he was kind of like the, I don't almost gong show kind of guy. Right, right? Right. Like he was going to determine. And at first we were like, oh, my God, this homeless guy, this is crazy. And then he kind of just became a part of what was going on there. And I don't even know how the name Ithrium came up, but I guess right. that's what he told us his name yeah, was. Yeah. But he was just the resident homeless guy that just hung out and would like buy people drinks. And like, he was super <laughs> nice. Lived in a, a camper. Yeah. Lived in a camper somewhere over off of Jefferson Avenue, which was yeah. over. This is, was, this, this show was in Culver city. Okay. So eventually so we moved the show to, we stopped, we had to stop, I don't know if we had to stop doing it. I think that it became one. a lesbian nightclub. Like, yeah. yeah. Something where they were like, thanks guys, you can go. Right. Now. Right. It was only a matter of time, let's be right. honest. All comedy gets kicked out at some point. <laughs> Before the, when the, finally, the owner goes, mm, no, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> so Ithrium, I said to him, you know, I felt kind of bad because I felt like this was a thing. You know, this gave him something to do, right? And I was like, you know, we're, we're not going to do this anymore. We're, uh, we're moving it over to Hollywood. And he's like, well, where? Oh, and I, and I was like, like, oh, he's going to follow. 
And, well, no, I was like, well, it's, you know, it's, it's a Moggy's and Gower Gulch, you know, the thinking to myself, you're homeless and this is your area. So we'll, we'll be seeing you. And I think what the first show fucking just comes walking in. He's like, Hey, <laughs> like, we're no like, arm. what? But did he just walk there? No, he, I think he drove. There. I don't know yeah. how he got. But bottom line is, he just went to the next place. <laughs> well, I rest got, in peace. I'm, I got to yeah. be at this point at three. But anyway, well, I was saw, he, how old was he back then? You think sixty five, sixty? He could be, but that's a rough life. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so at three, I, I was at I'm at uh, Swingers on on Beverly Boulevard, and I'm sitting outside my friend, my two of my friends, uh, and all of a sudden Merv Griffin comes out in, and. Uh, my friend's like, oh, I shot this documentary with people, celebrities and their pets. I want to say hi, see if he remembers me. And so Merv Griffin comes over and he sits down and he's like, oh, yeah, I remember you. And he sits down with us and he's with his assistant. And, uh, <laughs> and they, they're sitting we're, we're, t- we're talking uh, just about, you know, everything, you know, just, just like listening at the feet of the master or whatever. And, and uh, all of a sudden, Ethereum walks past. We're out on this patio and, and, and Merv Griffin's dressed in like a white suit, like Whoa. just very prominent, colorful shirt. And Ithrium comes up, this homeless guy, and he sees us and he goes, Tom Clark! And he w- runs over to me. He's like, how are you? I'm like, I'm like, Ithrium, this is Merv Griffin. And he's like, Nice to meet you. Anyways, <laughs> uh, and he's like proceeds to give me about seven cell phone numbers so we can get together. And because he thought the two of us made a great comedy duo, oh, uh, work on something together, and just completely ignores Merv Griffin. <laughs> and, and what? Uh, and what? Did you guys ever work together on uh, like a never, script or? Uh, I've probably have a Merv Griffin or Ithrium. Ithrium. I was thinking maybe Actually, you guys wrote a script about Merv no, Griffin. You didn't hear the best part of the story. Ithrium and Merv Griffin worked on something together, <laughs> and that's how the, Jeopardy started. <laughs> <laughs> That would be awesome. And then Alex Trebek got in a car accident in front of us, and that's how he was cast. Yeah, but and we was, didn't uh, start with that story. We waited to <laughs> bury that deep in the podcast. Good old Ithrium, wherever yeah. he is. Man, yeah, good for him. I mean, but honestly, though, when you look back, I don't know what your memories are of like the. I mean, we all talk about the open mics are some of the toughest things you got to do if you want to get into stand up, the struggle of it and stuff like that. But for me. When I look back on it, whether it was in Milwaukee or in Culver City or at Gower Gulch or whatever, I actually, I know you're always in a hurry to get out of it, but when I look back on it now, I kind of romanticize some of it, too. I, I think Barzura was one of the better rooms. I mean, I think it was very, I mean, you had Tom McCafferty, you had uh, Aaron, you had Brian Keith Etheridge. Uh, Who, Art. BKE is like killing it, dude. He's writing like yeah, for yeah. every TV show you guys watch. It's just like... Yeah. I say you guys, like the viewers, the listen, the listeners, <laughs> the two of us, the two the of listeners, us, yeah. you guys. Yeah, but, no, uh, he's great. Yeah, yeah, it was like a really, and they were all very supportive, and and they were all good. So you would listen to everybody because you just thought, like, oh well, he's it's funny, like it's all funny. There was no competition. I didn't really no. sense among anyone. It was just like this is a chance for us to get Except together. For Dave Taylor, <laughs> oh good, uh, yeah, but it was just like people just having fun, and every Wednesday or whenever that was, it was like ten o'clock at night yeah. too. And we would just and people would show up and it was at the strip mall in the Culver City next to a Kinkos and it was <laughs> it was so fun yeah nice. and it, it was it, well, the nice thing about it and I'm sure people if you know if you're getting into stand up or like even if you have oh if you are if you're thinking about it get out run yeah, yeah. run <laughs> as fast as you can no, no but at least I, what I can say about that environment was like 
they accepted you. Like once you're in, they're like, come on, no, you're in. You're in the you're in the group now. You're in the you're part of the party. Like you don't have to feel uncomfortable. You don't have to be a stranger when every time you walk in here. And look, there was always some people right. that were kept were always kept their distance. They would just come in, they would sign up, you know, because it's it's fifty, sometimes fifty people on a yeah. list. And they would sign it, they would just go stare at their notebook, uh, you know, and and never talk to anybody, do their time and then leave. There was the one who was the one guy. He was really bad, and I think he was a teacher. But but what I mean by he was bad, but we we loved it. Like you know what I mean? Like it was part of the subculture. But when I say worry about it, it was like the running joke was like he was so it was it was his material was so depressing. Right, and we were always like, "You're you're a teacher, right?" Like, and so <laughs> stay away from kids. And, like, well, there wasn't don't like let, that kind no, of no, stuff, no, right? no. But like, don't let that rub off on the kids with dreams and. But hopes. then we worried. Then we got to the point where we were like. Now we're worried. Is he gonna? Is he gonna off himself? Like then, like then it goes from like ha ha to like, dude, you good? You good? Because we like you. We like right. you as a person, regardless of how well this comedy is going for you. <laughs> we want you to know that you know. And he's just like, what? What? Like you know what I mean? It's just you. You don't realize like for a lot of us, we're tone deaf. Like yeah. you kind of have to be as a comedian to be tone deaf, right? And just do your thing. Like and it's either gonna happen or it's not. You can't be. It's okay to not hear the or to not hear the not laughter if that makes any sense, <laughs> right? Like you have to struggle through that shit. Otherwise, it's brutal. Like yeah. brutal. Like you're talking about the Montreal thing. You could have that could have been a defining moment in your life where you could have walked away from it all and said, right. "What the hell am I doing? Go get a sales job, you know yeah. what I mean, and be done with it." And you, you wouldn't have been the first person to do that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you can't. It's just like there's always another show. There's always something else, and there's always. A different path you can take. You yeah, that's. Take. I think that again. I think that is one of the most important things. Is that if you you know you're 15, you're like, okay, I'm going to move to Los Angeles. I'm going to get on Saturday Night Live. I'm going to live in New York for five years. Then I'm going to be a movie star. Then I'm going to. That shit almost never works that way. So it's right. you got to really <clears throat> and I, understand. You can take different paths, and just as long as you can keep being creative and keep being entertaining. And and I've watched those people that are just singularly focused, like, this is, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get th-. And they're not having fun. Yeah. Like, and they get to that point, and it's like, they're not having fun, though, along the way. They're not a pre... Like, like when I, I wanted to be on Conan for a long time, and it took till two years ago to get on. It took me 20 years, or I guess 15 years, but... You know, my wife said to me, like, I, I told her that when we first met. I was like, you know, I just want to get on Conan. She's like, and then what? And I, it, was, it wasn't insulting. It no, was but it, it was like, a legitimate outsider's perspective. Of right. Like, and then what? Yeah, then what happens? I mean, you yeah. do that. It takes 10 minutes to shoot, and then you're done. And right. Then... And I was like, yeah, and then what? And I was like, <laughs> I do it again, maybe? I don't know. Like, I was like, I don't know. And get on was, again? Yeah. That was such a good point. It's like, well, don't you appreciate, like, what you're doing now? Like, you're, you know, you get to perform. People, you know, like what you do. Like... That sort of stuff, enjoy that, as opposed to just like this. If I get to this goal, then it's all gravy, and I'll be really happy. And it's like, but you were raised on Johnny Carson, where that happened, right? That's yeah. the problem. Yes. I think there's a certain part of your get to the couch brain, and then you blow up. Yeah, there's a certain part of your brain that saw it happen right in front of you. You saw a comedian do stand up, and that they became a household name from that point forward, seemingly overnight to yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Seemingly, as you watched it as a kid, it's like never seen this guy before. Oh, he's really funny. Oh, Johnny likes him. Oh, now he's famous. Yeah. Yep. But like I think he, even, but in like, I mean, two years ago, I knew it wasn't going to be like the thing that was going to break me, but it just, I guess it just, uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess that is true. I mean, I guess I did think like, well, once people see it, it'll go viral and boom, boom, boom. You know, like you start thinking yeah. that stuff. And, but I, I think it was like, yeah, it'll be nice to get on there, but it's not going to, 
it's not going to be the thing that's going to break. You know, it's don't not this, who you are. Right. It's not what you know. You're you're still going to do shows like I've seen you do great sets at you know rooms that have like six vets. You know what I mean? <laughs> like hanging out or right. whatever. Like Justin Justin uh, Wood organizes a bunch of different shows for uh, for vets and stuff, and we'll go like they'll be at like some some of these living facilities where they're at or whatever, and. And everyone there is like just wanting to laugh and, and enjoy themselves. And it's always like an awkward room. It's like a small, it's not a stage. It's like there's like a few chairs, there's some people. But like I've seen Tom come in and just kill. And like, I mean, even to the people that are watching, like it's, it's like the whole room is enjoying it. So clearly you enjoy performing right? no matter where you are. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, that's the whole point is that's why you got into it is to make people happy, ideally. You know, it's not to, I mean, yeah, the... You know, getting fame and fortune would be nice, but I think if, if you forget why you started doing this, you're going to burn out of this job so quick. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I've seen I've seen it happen to people. You know, or I've, I've hung out with people that are famous and like just watched, like, oh my god, you're so sad, like you're so miserable. <laughs> and you know, I mean, I, I'll tell this story. I did share it on my Facebook page and it's current events uh, about Louis C.K. working with Louis. Right before his HBO special, uh, I think it was like Chewed Up or 06, 07 or something. And we worked at Zany's. We work at Zany's. It's Tuesday to Sunday. So you're every night pretty much you're doing a In show. The downtown Chicago downtown one? or the Chicago, yeah, yeah. I like that club. So uh, so I was excited, not necessarily because of Louie, but because he had worked on Chris Rock show. And there was a writer that I really liked on the show named Tom Agnes. So I was like, I kept saying, uh, so I was like, oh, I want to ask him, you know. So I, I, I've... You know, we were up in the green room. I was like, "Hey, do you know? Um, do you know Tom Agna?" And he was very standoffish throughout. You know, like he didn't really want to interact. I was like, "No." I was like, "Oh, really?" Because you guys worked on Chris Rock together. And he's like, "Yeah, I don't know." I was like, "Really?" Cause I, the same years. He's like, "I don't fucking know who Tom Agna is." And I was like, "Holy shit!" Like I was like, really like getting yelled at by your dad or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So I was like, "All right," and I didn't talk to him for the rest of the week. But then. Uh, <laughs> Saturday night we were watching TV and it was SNL. We were just sitting there in silence and Dane Cook was the host. And uh, so as I'm going downstairs to do my set, uh, I'm about to walk downstairs. I was like, man, Dane Cook sure is funny. And I'm just watching his face, just the blood drain out of his face. Um, awesome. But then yesterday I got, somebody told me, so I didn't think any, so I just thought like I posted that on Facebook that uh, this was my story about him. And I uh, didn't think anything of it. Then somebody told me that uh, Tom directed Dana and Julia's, who are two of the people that... Tom Agnett directed uh, their, their, their show that their was in Aspen? person show in Aspen and in Chicago, yeah. So I think Louis thought, and this was 06, 07, so I think Louis thought I was bringing up Tom's name to be kind of like... You know Tom Agna? You know, like I was sort of like threatening oh. him with like I know what you did. Oh. Interesting. And I didn't realize that because I was just like, and I think later on in the week he realized like, oh, he doesn't know anything that happened. He just really wanted to know if I knew him. And so, so now that I hear that, I'm like, oh my god. So I just thought I was like this guy like calling him out. That was probably like his first taste of somebody being like, I know what you did. You uh, I'm sure it wasn't his god. first taste in yeah. 2006 or seven, but yeah. yeah. 
That's yeah. I saw that post. That's a funny story, man. And, I, yeah. and you're now knowing that you're probably right. He was probably <laughs> like, "Fuck off!" Right, right. Like, or not, or maybe that is his personality. I mean, again, it's like not going to defend the guy's poor behavior though either. I mean, that's <laughs> that's been defended. And of these course. people are saying like, "Well, everyone's piling up on Louis C.K. like these defend not even defending him, but defending." Like, oh, leave him alone now. Like, he's had enough. It's like, no, he hasn't. What are you he's talking had, about? He's like, had 10 years of just doing skyrocketing whatever, success. Making tons ta- of money. And taking down, like, Dane Cook, like, whether you like him or not. Like, it's like, you know, Dane Cook had his peak of a celebrity and basically just brought him down and didn't care. Didn't care what he was doing to people. So it's like, yeah, he's going to get a lot. You know, I, I hope, and I hope people really, like, it doesn't just in two years he suddenly just back. That's what that's what I saw. Somebody goes, please, when he comes back in six months, tops and does another special. Don't call it brave. Um, but you do actually have a, a weird trans horrible transition for this show. Um, uh, you do have a special that you you worked on. How long ago now? And uh, and uh, take us through the journey. Actually, I think the first person actually I think to come on the show that's actually you know gone through the whole process of, of it's an hour long I'm assuming special yeah okay independently produced by yourself yep. or what'd you do I uh, so yeah I, I shot it uh, May uh, 2017 this year so um, and shot it in North Hollywood at the El Portal Theater in the smaller theater 100 seats because um, I didn't want to do it like I've seen all these specials and they're all in these big sort of ornate theaters and I was like that's not like how my stand up is it's not like something that's like a it doesn't feel like I should be in a theater performing. I liked it was sort of in the round. It was a hundred people. I you know I interact with the audience there, and I, I feel like it captures what stand up is, which is sort of all those awkward moments that happen to us. Like literally, a guy. I just posted the trailer today, and you see it in the trailer. But this guy got up toward the end of my set and just walked out because he had to use the bathroom, <laughs> and just like walked past me, and I'm doing the bit, and then all of a sudden I just see this guy just wander past me. I'm like, what? What happened? And I just and I ended up riffing on it for like three or four minutes, and it was just like it was like such a funny moment. And people afterwards like, "You're going to keep that in, right? That was hilarious." And it's like, and it's like, yeah, that that's really what stand up is. It's not perfect. It's not like these Netflix specials where it's like, you know, they shoot these specials in this 800 seat theater, and there's really like 300 people there, and they just sort of shoot around it because they don't care. They just want to get the special out there and make as much money as they can. But for me, it was like I wanted it to be you know, really capture stand-up, really capture what I do and not have some, and I talked to other people about their specials and who produced it and I wanted to be in control of it because they weren't happy with the advertising or right. they weren't happy with the final edit or with the promotions, you know, so I'm doing all that because, um, you know, I'd rather, uh, you know, I'd rather fail on my own terms. So yeah. it's like if it, you know, it, it, I got a good deal, like the theater is through comedy sports, so they gave me a great deal on the theater my director does all my all my web stuff, so he he was able to finagle a good price for me for that. Um, so there's like a lot of people just calling in favors, you know. And in 20 years, I've never really like done something like this is who I am. This and this is like this is like sort of my I don't know what you call it, but just sort of this is this is like my heart and soul sort of put out there, and this is like all my work, all my hard work put on iTunes and Amazon, and and trying to get people to buy it and try to get it. Try to get as much, uh, you know, I'd love to get it on the front page of iTunes so that when it's, you know, when it comes out on December 8th, 
people will be like, oh, wow, like this, who is this? You know, so. Did you independently distribute it as well? I know that you had contacted me and were asking about distribution through the movie stuff. And as I was telling you, what it's what a tricky, messy world that is. But what did yeah. you end up doing with that whole thing? I went through this company called Distribber, oh, sure. um, which is, uh, which I'm sort of happy with. They, they do a good job in terms of like making sure it's up to quality. And But you're and, still in charge, though, when you use yeah. them. They're just an outlet for you, correct? Right. They yeah. just make sure like no logos appear or that the audio is good or that. But yeah, content wise, it's what I put out. Um, and then, yeah, so they made, you know, they say, what platforms do you want it on? We think iTunes and Amazon are the ones you should pursue. So that's what I did. You know, iTunes has to approve it. And uh, so, yeah, it's just, uh, but they were good, you know, because I could have done it myself, but then you could get iTunes could say, no, after 30 days, now you've got to go back to square one. So this was a way of, like, bypassing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with how it turned out. You know, as a one-shot deal, there was no second show. It was just oh, okay. one show. Uh, I probably did, like, an hour, 10 minutes, and I, I probably cut it down to about 60 minutes. Drew Carey, uh, I, I contacted him because he follows me on Twitter. I don't know how, but he does. And I hit him up, and I said, hey, would you open the show? Would you be willing to introduce me on stage? So he, he agreed to come out. Really? Okay, f- first off, let's just be You hit him up on you. Twitter? Had you not, yeah. You've never met him face-to-face? Never met him face-to-face. He just That's hilarious. You just yeah. decided to ask he him. Just li- he likes your comedy. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, oh, yeah, this guy posts funny things on Twitter. I follow him. So, I, you know, that was... That's know. hilarious. Yeah. So and cool. He, and he stayed for the whole special <laughs> and... He, he was actually sitting behind the drunk guy <laughs> who walked out. He's like, yeah, I was going to grab him, but I thought, you don't need that going on. That Drew Carey wrestled a <laughs> drunk guy to the ground. <laughs> I was like, that would probably sell the special, though. I mean, <laughs> It's just billed as a Drew Carey wrestling match <laughs> with some random comedy by Tom Clark. <laughs> yeah. But he wasn't, uh, I mean, he's not in the special or right. anything, so that was part of the deal. Is he wants nothing to do with it. Um, <laughs> he'll be there. but he's Well, no, there. but I mean, that's smart. I mean, he doesn't want you to try to sell it with his name. That's right, right. Know. The Drew Carey presents, yeah, right. Tom Clark, yeah. So, um, which ironically is the title Drew Carey. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, but it's uh, yeah, it's called Tom Clark Outraged. So it is sort of just like I thought the title is sort of appropriate with just everyone getting everyone's upset about everything. So I was just like, I'll just call it Outraged, even though it's really not political or anything. I was going right. to say you're, you don't get outraged on stage. That's right. not really your thing. So it's sort of like sort of making fun of that. Like if you get outraged by the special, then you're insane. <laughs> you're insane. Yeah, um, but yeah, it turned out great. I did a couple promos. The, the first promo I did was about how. Like getting kidnapped by network. I saw that, and they did. They wouldn't put they, your. Spe- I thought yeah, that was really they funny. They kidnapped me to tell me they rejected me. Like Netflix and HBO, and then then iTunes and Amazon and Google Play show up. I'm like, we'll do your special, and I'm like, and I okay, great, and except you, Google Play, get out of here. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I sort of like make fun of that because there was a process of like presenting it to a couple people, uh, a couple companies, and seeing if they wanted it. And, you know, everyone was... No, I, and I feel like they didn't even watch it because I sent them, like, a Vimeo link, and I never saw any views go up. So Something I, sadder, uh, right? I, yeah. you, you, when you do that, when somebody's like, send me a Vimeo link, and you can monitor... Right, who's viewing? It's, who's, yeah, it's horrible. It's but like doesn't it, everyone know that? At least just let it play while you're taking a dump or they something. Don't care. Like, like Tom said, I, I just don't think they genuinely give a shit. They, yeah. they genuinely care. You know, it's really the, the one thing is, and this you you shouldn't. This has nothing to do with your ability. We're just at a very interesting time right now when it comes to these streaming services, whether they're Hulu, um, Amazon, and Netflix. In respects to uh, purchasing content, I think there is a misconception that. 
Everybody sees these six billion. Oh, they got six billion dollars. They have so much cash flow. They're they're just buying things left and right. It's like that's just, that's really is not true. Right. I don't think it's much different than the platforms that any of us from an entertainment standpoint were pursuing previous to them existing. It's a it's it's an extension thereof, and I and I I think that. I think a lot of people will look at it and go, oh, well, they, they claim they have $6 billion, but they'll take everybody's stuff but not mine. Well, they're not taking everybody's stuff. Right. And, and I really do still believe that it's a very small gate that the gatekeepers are still letting stuff through. Right. There's, everybody's still playing with the same people. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so like, I think that in respects to what you're doing, what I like about it is it allows you to be who you are be the talent that you are and do it on your own terms. I think that there is a, a, a bigger market for that now. Instead of saying, hey, Netflix, or hey, Comedy Central, or hey, ABC, or whoever it may be, can you please vindicate me and, and, right. and remind me that I, I believe who I am? Yeah. Like, I don't think that that is necessary anymore, 100%. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't mean that you're bad at what you do either because they don't take it. Does that make sense? Right. No, I totally agree. Like, I, I, think, I think we as comics or performers in general, I think we have to stop letting these people decide who's great or who's not because, you know, I met with a publicist about trying, you know, somebody suggested get a publicist. You know, and talking to them, you hear all these sort of things like, yeah, you know, those we could get you on like a top 10 list for top 10 comedy specials on such and such website. But that's what they do. So when you see those things where it's like top 10 comics or top 10... Yes, their publicists have made their that Their publicists have. have made these things and they have connections with these... And you, you pay an exorbitant amount of money to get these things out there. So I was like, so it's just such an interesting thing to, to, to be involved in the process and a little peek behind the curtain and be like, oh, I'm doing fine. It's just, it's like the Wizard of Oz. It's like the yeah. man behind, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. It's all, in a, you know, it's just fake. It's just like tricking the American public into being like, oh, that guy, yeah, that guy's famous. He's a great comic because I just saw that on some website, yeah. right? You know, or I just saw I read a or, list, or I yeah. yeah. So I think comics have to stop worrying about like what Netflix thinks or what Montreal thinks or any of those. It's like just do it yourself. Like greatness will rise to the top. People know? will find you one way or another if they if that if that's what they want. Right. If if you're what they want, they will find you. Does that make sense? Right. I mean, you should still there's still an element of promotion that is necessary, right? But, but, you know, each of us, you know, from an entertainment standpoint, in some respects, is an acquired taste. And the people that want, that find us entertaining will, will, will you know, gravitate towards us. I'm for everyone. I am for <laughs> that's, everyone. That's a lie. Also, yeah. when you mentioned ABC, are they putting out stand-up now? I was are just, <laughs> I was trying to not specifically <laughs> right, I know. point out one, one group and, and saying that they're the devil, because they're not. I think they're, they're all of, everything is great. Or NBC, sorry, last comic standing, is that World of Comedy? TGIF, one? dude. Thank yeah. God it's Friday. I Comedy. Guess my, all my, my, my point is, it's, it's cool that you're doing it. It's cool that, you know, it seems like your, your, your life arc, your story arc when it comes to comedy is that... A, not only finding your voice, but B, being glad that you do what you do instead of being miserable about what you're doing. Right. And also just defining your own level of success, which, yeah. which is interesting because I was talking to a, a, a friend of mine who has started self-publishing books, and he was just kind of like, you know, look, I was never going to get a publisher, but you can, I can still get my books out there. And he goes, to be honest with you, um, I've, I've redefined what success means to me. In res- right. And he goes, you know, my financial success, he goes, just so you know, 
No. Do millions of people read my books? No, but enough do that actually make me some money and allows me to make another, another one book. and actually be able to afford to self-publish another book. He goes, so I redefine what my success was right. to me, and I'm actually feeling fulfilled because I'm putting my work out there and people yeah. are finding it. And he goes, that that's the thing about comedy, I, I, I think, too, is that it's like with a lot of writing, most of it's not time-stamped, which means it can go on and on forever, right. you know? Are you talking Jeff? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jeff Cooper, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think you can't... Uh, yeah, there's just so many... And it's, I think it's, it's just such a... Just with technology the way it is, like you can shoot your own stuff, you can put it on platforms. You never know what's going what's gonna to hit with people. And like, you know, I'm going to be in the Virgin Islands. That could be my audience that I've been missing for years, you know. Dude, like, when are you going there? No, no, no. I mean, oh. uh, the special. Oh. <laughs> I, maybe I will. But, I, but the special, like, I, they have this. He's doing door-to-door. Yeah. He, he's not on a digital platform. Can I platform. sell you a comedy CD? <laughs> Distributor Distribu- is a company that also does encyclopedias, and Tom will actually be selling He his. walks in, I, throws dirt on the floor. I read them. It's <laughs> like, now, if you think that I your vacuum won't pick it up. Buy my comedy CD. He's, no, no, it's his, it's he actually is selling his transcript from the show. Right, I yeah. read him. Yeah, in a Virgin Island voice. Ah, <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know if that's the Virgin Islands. I, but. Sounds pretty horny yeah. to me. Um, but anyways, but yeah, but you, you know they distribute it to all these English speaking regions, so you don't know. Like it goes out to the UK, it goes out to the Caribbean. I don't know. Maybe that's the audience. Yeah, uh, but you know, I mean, it's just like you gotta. I just think like distributor. I liked. Uh, you know, there's some things that are sort of like, oh, you're doing this, you know, like fix this or whatever. But, but overall, it's like they do get it out to the to these all these different regions. They do make sure that it's up to the quality that you need, so you don't have to worry about that. You got to pay a little bit of money, but they gave me a good deal, and they've been like very receptive to any questions I've asked. So, I recommend it. I recommend just sort of doing it yourself, but. You know, it, it is it is a process. And yeah, it, is, it, it takes work, man. And it's definitely like one of those things. Like here we go. Like you're you're just like this is my pride. Uh, but I'm not going to either even worry about. You know, you know, you can't let that stuff sort of reflect on you. You just right. sort of have to like put it out there and and just and then just promote the hell out of it. So are, what are you are, are you doing anything um, yourself digitally uh, to uh, to launch? How do you mean? Well, you said it's coming out on December eighth. Are there some other right. like other key points before that that people well, can look just out today, for? I actually, today, I, November fifteenth, Wednesday. You I, just dated the show, but go ahead, oh, continue. Sorry. That's all right. Uh, it's fine. Just twenty fourteen. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I just uh, released the trailer today. Okay. So um, the trailer is out, and and now you can pre-purchase it on iTunes. So you know, ideally, when there's like a noteworthy thing. So if something is sells, like even if it's just a couple hundred copies and it, before it comes out, people, then it gets on the front page of iTunes. So you're up there with some of the other big names. You're like, Oh, who's this guy? So, um, so that's sort of the hope is that like, and I, I had a friend of mine as an animator. I don't know if you knew Rob Cabrera back in Milwaukee, but, uh, he's out in Miami now and he, he does cartoons and he animated this whole comedy bit that I do. So it looks really cool. And, I'm going to probably release that in two weeks. So okay. every week I'm trying to like put a little something out there. <laughs> Do you have a fan page or are you just doing it on your personal? Like, How are you releasing this stuff? YouTube, Facebook, what I mean, you, Twitter? I, what are you? Yeah, I put it on my website, tomclark.com, okay. and then I have like a page devoted to the special, and then it's on my Facebook page. I have a fan page, which I don't utilize nearly enough, you know, but 
mainly just putting it on my personal page and my fan page and on YouTube, you know, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, all that stuff. So, all right. Hmm? <laughs> yeah, put your headphones on. Guy's trying to promote himself so he can have a career. So, yeah, so, I know. So has your wife then, as soon as you did this, did she turn to you right after the show and be like, and, and, and now what? <laughs> now <laughs> what? Now what? No, she is the one who really has motivated me over the last couple of years of just, just like just doing more stuff on my own. Stop, you know, stop seeking out other people to, to do it. Just do it yourself because, I mean, that's... And that's worked, you know, wonders for me. It's like doing more stuff independently. Did you, the comedy show, it's not easy putting on one of those shows. How many cameras did you shoot? Six cameras. Six cameras. So was there at any point where you were like, what am I, this is too, what am I doing? This is a lot of work. Because it's a lot did of Did you ever walk out of frame at all? <laughs> you, oh, did you also have the monitors right in front of you the whole time? So you were constantly like a guy looking in the mirror, always checking yourself out, making change? No, it was very discreet. Like it was very, uh. Was, you know, you, you tried to even you you tried to even make that part of it very pulled back. Yeah. So it wasn't like the cameras were not like right yeah, around I, people and. Yeah, I mean, he shot like there's like sort of a backstage area, so he was able to like get some, but wasn't like the sort of in your face shots where they're kind of like. I just think that's weird when they kind of like you see somebody and they're like, uh, the camera's right on me. Like I better enjoy this. Right. <laughs> um, I'm being forced to like it. They're pointing cameras at me. Right. So, yeah, I didn't have that. I didn't have, like, people running down the aisles. Because it's a small theater, so I didn't really want that to take away from the show. In the preparation and coordination of it, because obviously you just want to be the talent, did, at any point were you getting, were you like, oh, wow, this is just a lot to put into a show? Or did you have a lot of support, so it was okay? It was, you know, I did it all myself. Like, I sold the tickets myself just through PayPal. I didn't use brown paper tickets or You literally went all, you did everything, including selling tickets for the event. You yeah. Know, you yeah. were in charge. So you were, like, literally in charge of everything. You weren't right. just producing... The, the content, but you're also producing yeah. the whole show. Yeah, I did. I mean, every every single aspect of it, I did. You know, and and I think you know, but I think then you know how it's going to go. So it's like, um, but yeah, and you know, it's just like, and then you got to, you know, even up to the show, you're like, you know, I sold like it was a hundred seat theater, but I sold like a hundred twenty tickets because somebody always does. Because yeah, and it's like and I would get those emails like can't be there. I'm so sorry, you know, and I just sort of would send out. Facebook reminders or whatever or messages to say like, hey, please make sure you're being going to be there. Like, we're filming this, so I just don't want any empty seats. So, you know, it was just like it just it worked out, but still that day I was still getting messages from oh, people. Yeah, that's stress of doing that shit on your own. It's like that's why you don't want to have to do it all by yourself, right. so that you can sit there during the day of the performance and focus, and on, focus on your comedy. Right. Instead yeah. of like, How come you didn't just out of curiosity? Sorry, John. Go ahead. I was going to say, instead of dealing with flakes that don't show up. Yeah. Um, just out of curiosity, did it, did, it, did it at any point cross your mind of possibly going back home to do it and something like that versus because, you know, we live in Los Angeles. There's sure. always a distraction. There's always a flake, right? And so did, when, you were, when you were first putting this whole thing together, had you thought about going and doing it in another city, another state, somewhere where... Um, you wouldn't have to deal with so, so much of that? And somewhere when people say, hey, I'm going to be there, and they, they actually, actually <laughs> show up. I think it's still tough. I think when you're not there, it, I mean, like when we were planning our wedding, my wife and I, we thought about going back to Milwaukee because my parents couldn't really make it out because of their age. So I thought about having the wedding, but then it's like it's so much planning that's involved, and it's like, and I'd rather be there um, kind of, on site to just be able to handle everything, to be able to go to the venue whenever I want and like right. check in or if I was going to shoot something. So 
I didn't really, uh, I didn't really think about that. I mean, I, for a little bit, I did, but also I think it, it is the material is a little bit uh, weirder. Maybe I guess it's a little bit more. So I wasn't sure how that would hit with a uh, more, you know, Wisconsin audience. I wasn't sure if there was like going to be up there. Fair and, enough. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. So yeah. I, I sort of wanted a little bit, you know, I guess just a little more people that were more familiar with comedy as opposed to people like, oh, I've never seen a comedy show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's it. what this is? Uh, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like what this guy's doing. And I'll, like, you know, trying to get Drew Carey to Wisconsin on top of it all. <laughs> He's yeah. like, I'll fly in, I'll do it, I just don't want to be mentioned. <laughs> I, will, I will tell you about a funny side story to Drew Carey, though. Like, when a couple years ago, two years ago, I think, the, we took the kids to uh, Ohio. My wife was working at, uh, on something for, uh, uh, in Ohio, so we, the, we, me and the kids went, and we wanted to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And we're at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. And I'm noticing this couple in front of me, and I'm like, that guy looks a lot like Drew Carey, but without glasses. Right. And then when I got up to the top, I saw a mannerism of his. I'm like, that is Drew Carey without glasses. (laughs) And he is the ultimate Superman. Like, he takes his glasses off. (laughs) I'm telling you, nobody in that fucking place knew it was him. It's unbelievable. Like, when those glasses, like, if he had put those glasses on, he would have been sworn. I mean, it's like, He's from fucking Ohio, right? His like theme song is Cleveland Rocks yeah, from the yeah. fucking show. I was just blown away by the fact that, and I was like, I'm not going to say anything to him. I'm not going to, because I know I've, I've heard stories about how nice of a guy he is and yeah. always has been and stuff like that. Well, so. I'm, I'm, speaking of, the, we were talking about Aspen and the festival, uh, the comedy festival earlier, and just talking about people who are pieces of shit, he is definitely not one of them. <laughs> right. He, uh, he was tipping van drivers $100, and Aspen is like the size of my phone. Like, you can walk across the town in five minutes. So a ride in a van literally is like a three-second thing. And he was tipping out people like, he's one of those guys who just seems to really enjoy what he has. He's not angry. He does. I mean, and this is just coming from a guy who literally watched him as pe- as we were at a show, I was in the back of a show. He was at a comedy. We were watching comedy. People kept coming up to him during the show, strangers, shaking his hand and, and saying hi and whatever. Not That didn't get awkward or weird or he didn't look annoyed for one second of it. Like He seems to enjoy his, his popularity and who he is and he gets it and he doesn't shy away from it and he's embracing it all. So Glasses on or glasses off on the show? He had his, uh, I think, when he's in the audience, the glasses off, introduced me, glasses on. Ah. Uh, <laughs> picture with him, glasses on. It's, it, yeah, it is one of those things where he puts the glasses on. And he's so funny. Like, he's so, like, so the director's, so, so I have this thing in my act where I was, like, or in the special where I say, well, I couldn't afford to have, like, one of those fancy cameras that kind of goes across the a audience. Jib. Yeah, one of those. So I, I actually, we put a camera on the director's son's head. And he's just going to run out periodically and do one of those shots. So, uh, so he's backstage. And I'm telling him how we're going to do it. And then uh, Drew was back there, and he's like, uh, "We're." Ta- I don't know how we talked about, but he's talking about Vegas. And then, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, the you know, I went to Vegas, and you know, I don't drink anymore." And they were doing the, these waitresses. They, they do the table service. They get tipped like thousands of dollars. And then the kids like, "What's table service?" And Drew like goes on to this elaborate explanation of how table service works at a club. And he's like, you know, you get a bottle of Grey Goose. Like, very, like, matter-of-fact to the kid. And not, not 
inappropriate or anything, but the kid's like, oh, okay. Like, and just <laughs> this little 10-year-old kid's getting <laughs> explained what tabletop service is at a, at a club in Vegas. And, uh, and the, yeah, the kid's so funny. But yeah, it's, 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 so that's sort of the stuff I wanted to be able to do in the special was like, I have these moments of like, like, I don't know if it's spoiling it, but it's like, I have like another moment where somebody's, uh, where I like remind people like, turn off your cell phones, no cell phone. I was like, like, we don't want things to distract from the, like, sir, over here, I notice you have a, uh, a beach ball, uh, and this guy's holding like a beach ball. I was like, yeah, we don't want, don't. We don't need a beach place. Like, well, you know, if we get bored or something. I was like, no, I don't want people batting around a beach ball <laughs> during the show. So I asked him to bring it. So there's like at the beginning, there's a lot of those sort of moments of like sort of making fun of the stand-up specials and sort of doing behind-the-scenes sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, so those were sort of fun yeah. things I got to do. And I bring my guitar into the act. Like it's, So it's like everything that I've ever sort of done. In my I've comedy. never seen you play guitar on stage. Yeah, I am. So are you are you doing some of the classic hits as well because it's just an hour long or is there, if there's anything that you've already done on television or whatever or do you, are you avoiding all that stuff? No, it's all yeah, it's it's pretty much everything. Yeah. So it it basically encompasses everything that you've it, yeah. you, you've held on to in comedy, not Right, you know? right. It's definitely yeah, gone back in the archives and and brought stuff back. Was that intentional? Do you think? Um did you think about it that way or no? That's not how you looked yeah, at it. Yeah, I didn't it. really think about it. I mean, there was stuff I like probably most of the stuff is like from moving out to LA. Like I didn't do like the potato song, which was a big thing I did back in you know for the potato the late song. 90s. Um, so yeah, like, just put that on YouTube. Or is it already on? It's there already on. All right, there yeah, we go. Yeah. Okay. So but, if you want to find the, just type in potato song. Yeah, I still see it. Craig Robinson, uh, who started in Chicago, and he he saw me a few times in Milwaukee, and he still every time he sees me, even now he'll go potato <laughs> like he'll just say the song that's he hilarious probably know my name but he probably calls you potato me. yeah, yeah. potato yeah but uh so yeah so that's not on there but yeah basically i just wanted to sort of bring everything in and, and you know and you know there's even a moment i mean i didn't leave this in the special where i like refer to my long list of stuff i'm like well, did i do everything like i was like <laughs> look i don't want to forget anything i'm doing this one time so i was like <laughs> just bear with me till i figure this you know and so there's yeah, so I mean, it was just, uh, yeah, it was just a very relaxed atmosphere and just nice, you know, and like so many, like Moses Robinson came out who I hadn't seen in, in probably since the Moses, Barzour yeah. days. So, like, just people coming out that, you know, comics and uh, comics, but also just people that I hadn't seen that uh, came out and even some walk ups. So, it was just sort of an interesting, just an interesting way to do this and like have it work out and, right. but, but also a nice kind of uh explanation as to what an audience in la might be like it yeah. might be some walk-ups it might be people who know you and want to see you and it might be a bunch of people who never heard of you that are just there because whatever right and that yeah that's always sort of the the nervous factor of like i don't want too many walk-ups like I don't you want don't want people to be confused like right right like, the last person we saw with a microphone was some guy that's not funny and why did he tell drew carey to get off the stage yeah i thought <laughs> why, why yeah. bring drew carey back <laughs> right. they're like I heckling thought, you you're yeah. like ma'am it's uh, my moment no <laughs> yeah yeah i didn't uh yeah that, that and that's always a nervous thing too about doing comedy specials like mitch hedberg's first half hour special for Comedy Central he shot in LA and they just you know they bring in those audiences of like good looking models that are like eh, yeah they've I, never they don't know who he is and they definitely right. didn't get it right so the first 20 minutes he's just like man this doesn't feel special at all <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah it's like you know you, you worry about that like some some of these 
you know, I've heard other people like like I think Tom Segura. You know, he had he had to like he, nobody showed up, and they're like giving away tickets for his first Netflix special. I think it was so they had to like give away tickets and like get people into the theater. You know, so it's like you know, and you know, he had great success with it. But it, but it is like if you're not known, like why am I coming out to see this guy? Yeah. So. So that's why also I wanted to keep it to like a hundred seats, you know. I thought that, don't worry about trying to sell out a twenty thousand seat oh venue. Or, yeah, some of these theaters, like you know, I mean, if you've ever performed in a half empty theater, it's ooh, it's brutal. Well, it what I've brutal. always wondered about that part of it is that what's more important? I mean, I come from a from a, from a, a from a production standpoint where they always talk about what's the most important thing is what's going on in front of the camera, not the stuff in the background. And it seems like with comedy sometimes, they're so enthralled with the theaters and the seat sizes. And it's just like, but isn't it about the right. guy and the microphone or the mm-hmm. woman and the microphone? Like, it, that's, in the end, isn't that what it is? But there's, there's this grandness thing that we're obsessed with when tying into a, these specials. Which is where none of us start out. None of us start that's out That's the thing. Is like, oh, yeah, my first, my open, first open mics were at theaters. Like, <laughs> right. oh, yeah, they were? Like, packed theaters. <laughs> cameras everywhere. Right. Open mics, you know? But you got to cut your teeth somewhere. So yeah. now I only do warehouses. Like... <laughs> Yes, I, I I think I to me the 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 better specials I've seen have been the more intimate ones anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean from everybody. Like my favorite Doug Stanhope special is the one where he does in Seattle at the Underground, the Comedy Underground, oh, wow. Deadbeat Hero, and it's like real um, intimate. You know what I mean? There's just the people are right there, and like Judah Friedlander's uh, last Netflix thing was just at looks like it was at the cellar. It looks like it was at yeah. a, just a comedy club. You know, and and that's to me like a small theater of 100 seats is more realistic and more, like you said, more about what your comedy is and mm-hmm. what it's... You're, you're not giving a speech off a balcony. You're <laughs> right. telling jokes. Oh, that would be sp- funny if you did your whole set. Right. Like you were the Pope. <laughs> <Just> an emperor, <laughs> yeah. Wears a giant hat. Yeah. yeah. No, there is definitely something, you know, in listening to you talk about the process, there's definitely something inspiring about the way you did it and the fact that you didn't bitch about it afterwards, too. Like, you're still encouraging people that they should do it, considering the fact you did everything from selling the tickets to setting up the shots to... Yeah. To promoting the thing, you you're not you're not taking this attitude of like, I mean, I'm glad it's out, but I will never ever yeah. do this no, again. I, yeah, I mean, if I get the hour, which will be in six months, I'll get another hour. <laughs> good, perfect, uh, great, yeah. dude, perfect, good, good, good. You got uh, like three premises. You're going to stretch that out and then uh... right, just talk really. You've slow. been in an airport, right? Work on that. Right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So I think it's, uh, but yeah, it's, I definitely don't regret it. I, I'm really happy. I was really excited to get it out there, but it was just like the process of getting it approved and making sure everything's turnaround time. When did you shoot it? How long ago? May. In May. So that's not too bad though. Yeah. If it's coming out in December, I mean, yeah, seven months, seven you know, months. I, I definitely wanted to get it out before the end of the year, and you know, yeah, it was, it was. Uh, it was good, you know. It's always those nerve-wracking moments of like, I hope all the audio stuff checked out. I hope, oh, yeah, you know. every all the technical issue. If you're also in charge of that, like that, yeah, that's a lot of stress, man. Because yeah, I didn't, I didn't use a mic. I just, I just had a lavalier sort of. Really, thing. I just had it. Yeah, so I, I sort of decided last minute to do that. Um, so and how were you comfortable with that? Like physically, like because aren't you used to? I, a mic when I did Conan, I did it without a mic, and I kind of liked it. Oh. It sort of feels it feels more like you know, obviously it feels like a seminar. Or yeah, you're giving a talk. Yeah, but I sort of like a Tom it talk. Because, yeah, because I don't really move around on stage, so I wanted to be able to move around, but I didn't want. But I'm not like a big like talking to the like. I'm always I leave the mic in the stand and I just sort of perform and I'm still physical, but I don't like move across the stage. So this was in the round, so I wanted to be able to move around. 
but I felt like in the stand, I'm just going to be kind of yeah. tethered to that. So I wanted to, so I liked being sort of unmiked and I could move around a little bit. Well, that's and, cool. Yeah. So, uh, and and the theater, I mean, El Portal, a lot of people have shot their specials in the big theater, but no one's ever shot really in the small theater. And uh, I thought it was just really cool. Just there's some really cool camera angles. There's like a little crow's nest up there that they could shoot some shots. And uh, yeah, and and then just doing some of the weird like sketches that you didn't know were going to work, like the guy with the beach ball or putting the camera on the kid's head. Uh, you just like, well, just come in here and there and we'll see how it works. <laughs> and, and the guy leaving and the special, like those to me are like, that's like, that's like my stand-up shows. That's like when I... Anything can happen. Yeah, exactly. So that's sort of the fun of it is like, and, you know, that's what I love is reacting to that stuff and sort of trying to make it work. So... Yeah. Love it. Uh, before you go, I want to pay you a compliment, something I always brag about. Um, and that you, won't, you may not take it as one because I haven't been successful in comedy, but I will say <laughs> that... I've only taken advice from two people, and one of them was you. You may not remember this, but I remember us talking about comedy a long, long time ago, and you said something that was, I think is very insightful, and I, I want to share it on the show because I think it can help other comics, was that you said, you, you talk about the, con- the idea of comedy and writing comedy and performing comedy and identity, and I remember you saying to me once, like, well, depending on what you want to do with comedy, you, know, you may have a lot of funny jokes you, not, you might have to get rid of because if it doesn't fit what you're doing, Oh, yeah. Don't just tell a funny joke because you can tell a funny joke. Because like once you develop the muscle, that's great. But if it's not really a part of the big picture of what you're trying to accomplish, you have to learn to let it go. And it was, that's a, I think that's a hard thing for a younger comics to let go of jokes that you love so much because every time you tell them, you get that laugh. Right. But what you were seeing in me was that I was trying to tell a story, and you're like, that's great, but what does that have to do with anything you're doing on stage? And I've always carried that with me. And I... It's a very tough thing to do because you're, you're basically saying you got to get rid of some of this funny stuff and you're going to have to put something in there you're not sure about right now, but at least it fits better with what you're, what you're trying to actually say on comedy. Right. And I just wanted to thank you for that because that's something oh, that I've right. always, I've, when, I, when I write and when I perform, because you know, for me, even though I've never been on television and I don't sell theaters or any of that kind of stuff, for me, where I'm at with my comedy, it's like when I go do comedy now, when I choose to do stand-up, at least I'm doing it on my own terms. Right. And I, th- and I felt that that was the most important thing for me because at the end of the day, going back to the defining your level of success, what, me- what, what success means to you, if I never get on TV, well, can I at least look back on what I did for stand-up and be happy about what I did? Right. You know? And yeah. that was, it was really critical what you told me. And I've, that's, I've, uh, that's the one foundation I have before I, I, I write my, my jokes now. Oh, is what you told me. That's cool. Yeah, I, I've always thought that is like, what are the three three characteristics you want the audience to see and do those jokes accomplish at least two of those three things? So that's how I looked at. It. So when I was telling those John Wayne Bobbitt jokes or the OJ jokes, it was like that wasn't me. That, that was, was just some just, cookie cutter shit that you thought is what people wanted to hear. Right, and people laughed at it. People laughed at it, but I was like, I hated it. I was like, I don't believe in any of this. I don't care about the lady who spilled hot coffee on her lap. Like. Yeah, fine with her getting money for that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't give a shit. So yeah, so it's just sort of finding that, and I think that's that's a hard thing. I think for me as a comic is like I don't really talk about like current events, or I don't talk about. I sort of it's sort of like weird observations, surreal observations. So it stands the test of time. Like you can be doing that joke five years later, and it still makes sense. 
but it's not topical. So like where Bill Burr could talk about like the events in the news and that's his new hour because he has to come up with a new hour in a year. So that that's sort of the challenge for me in developing new materials because it's not I don't like taking current headlines or current events because it's either going to disappear or I don't know, maybe I'm not attached to it as well. I was going to say, but that's also doesn't sound like you that's You've been at it long enough. Like the advice you gave Brian is essentially when you when you do find, kind of find your voice, you're going to have to hone your act to the to your voice. Right. So you're not going to be able to do like I don't go up on stage anymore until like pussy fart fucking cocaine jokes because that's my it doesn't interest me. It's not my life. It's not anything that I'm doing. So like uh, you kind of curb. You get rid of that material that doesn't fit. It might be funny. It might be you know, enjoyable for people, but if it's not who you are, you're not feeling that that's where you want to go. You change it and you kind of work towards your whole thing. Right. Like, like to me, like now it's like, it's a better feeling when I don't do something on stage that I have been doing, like at a club or something. I was in Oklahoma city and it was, it was a struggle, but I didn't like, there was a bit that I normally do for that sort of audience that I like didn't do. And I like really was like, good for you yeah you held out (laughs) instead of easily immediately going for it because you knew it was there and you knew it would get them on your side right but again you're seasoned you've been doing this long enough you like you get who you are you're i mean you like what you do which is kind of i know it sounds crazy but might be a little more rare than we like to give that credit no it reflects you're uh you, Tom, are probably, and I can say this because I've talked to enough people, you're one of the most respected and most appreciated comics that's the, in, in the city. And I know that when, when you announced that you were doing this show, I, I, I saw it. I saw the flood of like love and excitement um, for what you were doing and how excited everybody was um, yeah. in our, I just in our thought, world. I just thought, how is it taking this long? Yeah, but I mean, Honestly. people were genuinely like stoked that this was happening, and 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 I I I see that this that that is probably going to um, expand once this thing comes out. You know that I think you're gonna you're gonna see that, you know, ten, twenty, thirty fold because um, yeah. you know it's you deserve it. Yeah, well, I was like really happy. Like even like you know when I <laughs> Kyle Kanane actually lived in our place after you moved out because he lived there for like a week <laughs> when he moved out there. <laughs> He subsisted solely on hot dogs and Wonder Bread. Uh, <laughs> Still I, probably does, but <laughs> <laughs> but he uh, but he bought a ticket to the show. He's and uh, which was awesome, you know. So it's like those people from like who are having great success now, and like you know, just to know somebody from the past and have them, you know, really like makes you feel vindicated. Like like wow, that's, that's yeah, they believe in what you're doing, and they, yeah. they, they that speaks volumes about him too, you know. So he's just a genuine guy. One yeah. thing I totally forgot, John. This is, I have to bring this back. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. So, obviously, we started this show. We used to live together. I moved out with my now wife that I live in this house with. And this is the story I was telling you about. The guy that replaced me, Rob, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> the TV that he brought into the apartment that you and oh, I used to live right. in, it used to sit right here in oh this room. Tell me that that is not crazy. <laughs> when we, so, we bought this house years, years later after we got married, bought this house. And it turns out we they, they told us that story that oh you know this comedian Rob he uh, we, we he bought a TV from us once and I was like you got to be kidding me and that TV ultimately ended up replacing me when you and I got we, you were at the, at the oh, apartment really? on Bagley that we lived oh, together that's funny. so you are sitting in the room it's all come full circle so weird man <laughs> yeah. that's insane to me. Yeah. So the TV was here from the, with the previous owner. The TV owner. was in this room with the previous owner while Tom and I were still living together. Rob bought it when Rob moved in and replaced me when I moved out from Tom. 
that TV that was in this room in a house that I ended up buying a decade later the, on a completely opposite side of town in Los Angeles, which is a very big city, just right. so everybody's very clear, massive city, you know. That TV was in this room, and now the two former roommates that first moved out are <laughs> in the basement of the house that TV was in. Guys. I'm, I'm just, I don't know the if I, circle of love. I don't, know, I don't know if I explained it properly, but it's still pretty weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Again, we're back to the crystal meth, Brian. What is going yeah. on with you and your family? And my dad dismantled that same television. He took it he apart, put it back together 17 times. <laughs> then he took the lawnmower on the roof for whatever reason and started sanding furniture at 4 in the morning. Uh, well, be- this is going to be great. December 8th. Yes. Outraged is the name of it, correct? And it's out now. You can, pre- you can pre-purchase it now on iTunes. So yeah. the more I can get sold now, uh, you know, the higher up it'll be once it debuts so that it'll be featured more on gotcha. the iTunes page. So, so basically pre-order the album when yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's, yeah. I, was, I never know what to call it. Because I, mean, I know album. But yeah, it's, a, it's not even a CD. It's, it's like a, a downloadable. Like, yeah, thing you can watch. Yeah. Right? So it's. Um, but yeah, so it, it's out now. It's on my website, tomclark.com. You can buy it. I have the link on front page and then Facebook. To, you know, I just I put it up everywhere. I got I got to do Instagram. So if thing. you can find Tom Clark online, you can find his special. Yeah, and I have the 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 cartoon. I'm really excited about because he did an amazing job on it, and it's something I've always wanted to have animated. So nice. Um, you know, and all these people. I, guess, I I think it's just we forget just how many people are out there for us that are willing to help us out. <clears throat> it, you know, it, it does require a lot of work on your end, but it's like. You know, all these people came to my aid to, to make this work because they believe in me, and you know they believe in you too. It's just like you just gotta like, yeah, put the time in and do it. We know? spend a lot of time talking about how, like a lot, or at least I hear a lot of people talk about how shitty and how backstabby and how whatever else is going on in, in Hollywood. But I do think that someone like you, like we, you've been doing it long enough. You've, you know, you're not an asshole. You show up. You do. You're funny every time. Like people like that people like you they're going to come out and support you they're going to come out and put forth an effort to help you make this thing a reality so that's uh, that's awesome that you had help from i guess you'd call it the comedy community or whatever but yeah i was hardest working player in sixth grade football see oh see that usually means the worst on the field though (laughs) like hardest working never translates to awesome at the sport yeah but he did get a grandma grasped uh um coat out of it he did or you did well, Brian gave me one when I yeah. oh. <laughs> That's sort of the thing. He said other comics very, were making fun of him, very so he had to take it off. <laughs> like, welcome, candles were lit. And, and now like, you're <laughs> the nerd. Like, oh, okay. Grandma. Uh, all right, Tom, thanks for much Thank for coming you guys. in. Yeah, dude, get a special iTunes uh, and Amazon. And Amazon. Love it. December 8th. December 8th. Tom Clark. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe 